Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday, March the 10th, 2023. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we have my man, Dr. Russell Teams in the house. But before we harass him, just a couple quick housekeeping things. One... The Jeremy Scott Fitness app is live. We are in our 40 Days of Fitness Challenge. If you're listening to this in real time, I think you guys can still join because I believe that sales page is still up. So if you want to join us for the next, at this point, 35 days to get your shit together before summertime, you can do that. Otherwise, we are offer you a free seven-day trial of the Jeremy Scott Fitness app. Look in the show notes. You can check it out, jeremyscottfitness.app. All my weekly workouts are in there. Every transformation we are running in there, we're doing grand prizes for all those. We're either flying you guys here or we're flying you to our vacation place in sunny Orlando, Florida. Pretty badass. So you get in shape and you can win an awesome free trip for you and your peeps. And also we're doing weekly prizes inside of there as well. But if you guys don't know what to do in terms of your fitness and you want a program, we pretty much have you covered from beginner, intermediate to advanced in there. And again, plus if you want to do all the psychopath stuff that I do, you have access to that as well. So check it out, jeremyscottfitness.app, free seven-day trial. And if you dig it, you can stand for a couple of pennies. And if you think it sucks, I'm happy to point you guys in a different direction. And you already know this episode is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens, the one thing I take every single day and I never miss. If you guys don't eat enough fruits and veggies, and let's be real, none of us really do, this would be the one thing I would take to kind of cover the gaps in your nutrition. That doesn't mean you can eat you know, like a bag of shit, but you're going to do the best you can with what you have, and then you can fill the void with the greens. In my opinion, it's the best tasting greens on the planet. You're talking the antioxidant equivalent to 10 to 12 servings of fruits and veggies, and it's easy to take. Get a travel pack, rip it, put in some water, and you guys are good to go. If you've never tried it, maybe you've heard other people talk about it, or maybe you've heard me talk about it on 500 plus podcasts. You can shoot us a message. I don't care where you live. Monica will send you a free pack right to your front door. You can try it for free. If you like it, then you can get hooked up with all the free stuff from there. And we're going to give away a year's supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your order one. And you guys should already be taking vitamin D3 with the K2. If you don't know why, we did a supplement deep dive podcast a week ago. Check it out. Otherwise, the link is in the show notes, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott, or message us anywhere you can find us for all the free stuff today. Always a mouthful. All right. Impressive. So we have. I know, man. It's. Uh, <laughs> I could pre-record those, but then it's like generic and it just sucks. So, uh, Dr. Russell Teams in the house. Welcome. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, board certified chiropractic neurologist. Mm-hmm. A mouthful. Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah. Um, you can go back as far as you want. You want to go origin story, how you got here, why you chose the field you're in. We'll kind of we'll go down the rabbit hole. Sure. So our buddy uh, Scott Keppel um, started training with him at the ripe age of 19. Oh, wow. um, working with him. Actually started off over at a place called Pure Fitness, if you remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, my buddy's like, hey, let's go get a job. We both work out all the time. Let's be trainers. They make good money. I was like, sweet. Go check it out. We interview. I got the job. He didn't. And then started working under a guy um, that was, um, a, I've heard mixed things now, but an NASM rep just taught everybody all the stuff. He was um, an instructor, and he worked with the Yankees, and um, just kind of worked my way up from him. Just got to kind of mentor with him. And 
that didn't go well overall with uh, Pure Fitness, as I don't think they're around anymore. But um, was it a, was it a chain? Or was it just like a couple locations? I think it was a chain. It might have been on the upstart, so there were multiple locations, but it didn't last all that long. Yeah, I remember it. I mean, handful of years. Vaguely when I moved here, so like 2000 and probably eight, maybe still around. So yeah, that's. I mean, I was, I was out of there by probably 2000. Let's see, graduated 03. Uh, probably out of there by 05. Okay. Maybe yeah. at 04, 05, and then went with Keppel, was with him for four or five years till I went to chiropractic school. And so it was a lot of fun. It was a cool transition all the way through. The clientele that I it attracted either had anxiety, and so they had stopped moving and they needed to get moving again, or they had functional performance issues in terms of it hurts when I do this, and so my approach was almost never weight loss. It was always like human performance and on a small scale when I first started. And then the more I started realizing what these people needed, it was like, hey, let's focus more on you completing this properly so you don't hurt yourself than weight loss. And it was kind of a side effect. Weight loss was more of that side effect of what we were doing. Um, learning about nutrition, what was that, 15 years ago yeah. was a different thing than beast than we know now for right? sure yeah hey get those get those grains up get your carb loaded um food pyramid know, yeah no fats whatsoever um the more gluten the better um you know and it was just it was bizarre but it was what we knew right yeah and so there were two people i still think about these people to this day Dell and bob bob had what i now know was a focal dystonia which means that a very specific part of your body fires muscles on both sides of the joint so a dystonia to keep it simple if you were to do a bicep curl the tricep would fire at the same time and your your arm wouldn't move so that's like a, a frozen like a dystonic movement would be like kind of somebody like a torticollis or somebody tilts their head and their shoulder how moves at the how same common time. is that uh it's more common than you think no shit. most of them don't leave the house oh like is it you just genetically does it just happen one day uh i wouldn't say i, I mean i'm there's a genetic factor in everything for sure but i would say it's a lot of times it's that genetic factor that has an epigenetic influence whether it be stress brain injury toxin infection you know like a bad work environment you get a tick one day that tick turns into your neck and shoulder uh, like kids toe walkers are yeah. often like a form of is that uh, dystonia mm -mm. no it's been it's been around for a long time although in my opinion everything's trying to kill us yeah and so whatever disadvantage you have genetically is going to be amplified just in the world we're in because of just the food technology yeah, food water environment technology i mean i'm not i'm not the conspiracy theorist thinking like emfs are causing covid no but, but it doesn't but, take a rocket scientist to know like a lot yeah. of the soil is no shit yeah a lot of the water yeah. is shit and the food that they're trying to get past is like real food is shit yeah and so even growing your own garden you're good until the next rainfall. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're back when I think it was Fukushima happened. I heard I'm look, I'm not a, I don't read all the research. I'm friends with the people that read all the research. And so I learn through that, through osmosis. And so I'm not the source. I talk about it if I'm confident in it, yeah. but if I'm not confident, I, I kind of stay away. Right. <laughs> and so but simple things like some of the research I have seen, they're finding 
um, radioactive material in breast milk in women across the U.S. That Whoa. was years ago. That's and true. so so I know that even our water, our own mothers at this point, we're all having problems. So we're just trying to do the best we can. And so, like you said, last week was a supplementation podcast. Like, that's real. Like, we need to support ourselves in some way, shape, or form to our best ability so that we really down-regulate how fast we break down. And the... Because the toe walker thing is crazy to me. So you just, like... You're just doing, like, calf raises all day? No, 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 no. So, like, you know how kids bounce around on their toes a lot? Yeah. So that that is a representation of a brain. So I'll go science, and then I'll go simple. Yeah. So any hyperactive or hyperkinetic movement disorder is going to represent with a gas pedal, right? Too much gas pedal. Typically, it's actually, in reality, it's not enough brake pedal, right? Like you're going downhill quick, coming back from Flagstaff. Yeah. You're feathering the pedal, all the brake pedal all the time. You're not hitting the gas. You just can't slow down. And so that's what the majority of these brains are doing out there. And so, and you, usually it's boys, a vast majority of the cases are boys that are hyperactive. And, and so like, I don't work with kids. I've got a friend that works specifically with kids, um, but we have the same training. And so, so this part of the brain, it's called the basal ganglia. Um, I call it the gas brake clutch system of the brain. And when we aren't pressing enough gas or our timing is off trying to hit gas brake clutch, things start to go wrong or timing starts to go wrong. Right. And so, um, so when we look at the toe walking in kids, it tends to represent there first. So, you know, you've got a hyperactive kid typically when they're going to be toe walking. Okay. How that's going to represent usually is probably more focus, attention, hyperactive based, right? Just behavior stuff. It's the most, it's the easiest thing because it's constantly going. Our mind is constantly going. Like our thoughts are constantly going, not our, not the motor activity all the time. It's obvious to see the kids that, you know, you're bouncing around, shifting and moving, <clears throat> making sounds. Those are the obvious ones. It's the ones that they don't do so good in school. But you still might see like a little toe walker thing going on. So some people say that is dystonia. Other people, like a typical neurologist, is not going to tell you that they have dystonia because they technically don't. It's just in that same realm, like a, like a split squat yep. or a reverse lunge or a lateral lunge. They're all lunges, but they're not the same thing. Okay. And so it's in the same category, but you've got to, like, when I'm doing a history, I, I go back as far as I can to say, hey, what tendencies did you have? What did the delivery look like? Then if the parents are there, if they're the real parents, hey, did you have a stressful relationship? Did, was anything stressful? Were there any infections? So how that human is made is based off that epigenetic factors of the mom too. And so you can go back that far to look for something like a dystonia. In adults, most of the time, it's going to represent in something like, and it's usually acquired at that point. And so usually it results in something with like the head, neck, shoulder, or like an arm. Usually it's unilateral, or, and I don't want to say ipsilateral, it's actually contralateral to the problem on the opposite side of the so brain. So you would just have like in your right arm and not your left? Typically, yeah, unless it gets really bad. If you're going bilateral, more often than not, you're dealing with something systemic that's triggering both sides of the brain. So like an infection, a severe brain injury, um, stress can cause that. Anything that's circulating the body, like blood sugar disorders, you can have a stroke. You can have it in one area. You can have it in multiple areas. Yeah. Right? 
have a brain injury, you just go straight forward. You can get front of the brain, back of the brain, side of the brain, because it'll twist. Because very rarely are you actually moving in one direction under um, in any kind of head injury. So when you're so you're training and then you're like, well, I'm going to go into chiropractic, and then why that, and then the neurology kind of piece of it. Like, how did it go from there to there to there? How much time we got? I'm here. I got as much <laughs> um, time as you got, bro. So going back, I was a so I played baseball and I picked up golf in middle school. Baseball and golf, I don't always recommend it because they're two totally separate swings in the same year, right? Oh, for sure. So you go six months of one, six months of the other. So halfway through each season, you get your swing back, right? You can tell the baseball guys when they golf. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Everybody, every one of them has a huge slice, right? Yeah. So um, so as a golfer, I got into – I could hit the ball pretty far. So I was a, a long drive guy back in the day. And through Keppel, I met another guy who was a chiropractor. He started working on me. And as a trainer and a chiropractor, I was like, this makes so much sense. If somebody's not moving properly, I can make them move properly by adjusting that joint or their body or whatever. Yeah. And then they can be more efficient in when I train them. Makes sense to me. For sure. And so that's that's kind of the direction I went. But what was interesting is I had a chronic right low back problem. I actually had what's called a spondylolisthesis or a spondy that we call it. It's where uh, my, the, basically the lowest bone, it could be any bone, but the lowest bone in the spine right above the sacrum, uh, mine fractured on the two, the two uh, pieces of bone and shifted forward like, I don't know, three to five millimeters. How did it just randomly? So that I believe happened from a baseball swing. Like no a, shit. Yeah. So it was a hit and run. You always got to swing, right? But this thing was like at my face and I'm, rear back so i basically do a, a left rotation into extension and i put all my effort into the swing at the same time so i was basically doing an uppercut straight to the straight to the sky and i felt something go like i heard a pop and i felt something go it's kind of man that was weird uh but i hit the ball so i took off to first i get to first i'm moving i'm like something's not right next pitch hit and run and this is up in a, at a baseball camp in colorado when i was like 12 Oh, no shit. And so so I take off to second, steal second, slide into second, can't get up. My back is in, my spine is in so much pain. The only way I could, and sorry for the listeners, I know it's not the same, but the closest I can think of as a man to giving birth, that kind of pain. Every muscle in my body had to, had to flex or squeeze just to take a step. And we were like a quarter mile from the bus. So I spent... The, la- the next like four or five hours sitting on a bus, no trainers, no doctors, nobody there to help me. I'm just sitting there on this bus and I'm stuck in Colorado for four days like this. Jesus. And so, so that's what really started my interest in, in what I do now. And so from there it was take pain meds, right? At the time my folks, my dad it would, had just started working for himself and we didn't have any health insurance. And so it was surgical but at the same time, he couldn't afford it. So, okay, PT. PT and go get this full body, like a brace to go over my, from my glutes basically up to the bottom of my chest. So my like sports life is, at, as I knew it, was over. And this is like, you're like a I kid. was like in seventh, between seventh and eighth grade, the summer this happened. Whoa, dude. Yeah, so it's Telluride, Colorado. First time I'm ever there. The only thing I remember is me blowing my back out 
and a kid throwing a ping pong paddle at me because I wouldn't get out of the ping pong. I was trying to play like in all this pain and I couldn't move. He's like, get out of here. I was like, dude, okay. That's crazy. We'll catch dude. you later. But um, so I ended up going from there. Couldn't get the couldn't get the brace. It's too expensive. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, what next? Met a uh, physical therapist here in the valley. Huge guy. He's like six eight, right? Like Ben size. It's like a Ben. Yeah. Yeah, Ben. And um, he's like, all right. So here's what you want to do. Goes right into because I'm. I, this is weeks after the injury, but I'm I'm in pretty good shape. You know, as a kid, you're always moving, always doing stuff. Yeah. And. Uh, and so he's like, yeah, just grab the weights. He's like, what you're going to do is a lunge, touch your hands, say five-pound weights, lunge forward, touch your hands by your feet, come back up overhead to a single head, single head, um, like a single leg lunge raise thing, right? Yeah. Uh, to an overhead raise. And he does it with like 60-pound dumbbells. And he's like, he's no bigger than you. Like, yeah. He's, he, he, he's like shredded, right? Strong. Of course. Yeah. Um, but I'm watching this guy do this. I'm like, what the hell is this? How, what? What? There's no way I can do that. And I've got five pound weights. I'm trying. I'm like falling all over the place. And so that, it's funny now that I'm thinking about it. That move, the guy's name was Derek. That move is still to this day my favorite go-to rehabilitation move. That's like my goal for people to get to. Oh, like the gold standard, yeah. Yep, and so if you can do a, a, lunge, a forward lunge, bend, properly bend, push off, go back up to a single leg balance and hold hold weights over your head, you don't need me anymore. Yeah. Like that's kind of like my go-to. Most people don't get there, but my role is not to necessarily get them there. My point is from A to B and whatever C is, let me help you find C. And so I'm not the end all be all by any means, but, but yeah, that's, that's, so that's kind of how I, I got into, got, became interested in the fitness stuff, go through high school. Uh, you know, I worked at pizza place. I worked at AJ's. Um, I tried working at an internship at a friend's mom's like, I don't know, there's cubicles, you know, people give me, they're like, Hey, uh, I need you to do this. Give me a list of people to cold call. All right, call them. All right. Uh, so what's next? Like, what do you mean what's next? This is like Tuesday. Well, I'm done with what you wanted me to do. They're like, that was supposed to last till Friday. This is a round the clock situation. Yeah. 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 And so I was like, I don't think this is for me because I'm, I'm just constantly going. Right. Yeah. And so um, then I tell you the story about the personal training stuff. And so I get into that, meet the, meet the chiropractor. He helps, but it's like for a day or two. And I was just beating myself up with golf all the time. By the like on the ride home, half the time I'm still trying to crack my own back. I'm like, what the hell? Why is there so much pain? And fast forward, I'm working at working at bars, personal training. I took time off from school. It's like I don't know what I want to do. Nothing makes sense. Like, go get a degree. They say just get a degree and then you'll get a job. I'm like that. That's mm-mm. doesn't make sense to me. And so um, took some time off. Worked for a year. Ended up talking with uh, an, an old professor. He's like, look, take out a loan. Just get back to school. It'll get you the ticket to f- help you figure out what you want to do. I was like, you know what? Cool. He's talking about an undergrad loan, not a doctorate loan. Yeah. If I would have known, I would have done maybe something different. But uh, hindsight's Yeah, hindsight's always twenty twenty. And so... Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I go through the golf and stuff. The chiropractic itself didn't fix me, 
but the application of moving the body and then rehabbing the body made a lot of sense. So my history of personal training and then learning chiropractic, that's what got me to go to school. And I was like, this, I can help so many people with this. I can take it, my current training to the next level based on the people that I'm attracting. And so that's, that's what got me there. So I ended up at school. It's called Life West. It's up in uh, the Bay Area. Um, and I met some of the coolest people on the planet. Two guys, two, well, two guys that were, became roommates were both in my wedding like almost two years ago. Oh, nice. So one guy was my officiant. The other one, I had three best men. So one of my best buds that I grew up with, and then those two guys, and then my brother-in-law. And so you go and you do kind of the chiropractor. I mean, I get it because it makes sense. Like you just, I mean, the amount of anatomy you have to go through and then, you know, insertion origin points, like you learn everything. Just in a deeper level than Mm -hmm. most because the barrier for entry in fitness is fucking terrible. And most people don't know shit uh, about anything until – they probably get hurt or have something happen. Like that's honestly how I probably learned a majority of the things is like shit I couldn't do or things that went wrong, mm-hmm. whether it be nutrition, supplementation, sleep, yeah. or physical injuries. And like, that's yeah. when you really take a deep dive. And that's where, that's what usually happens in the world of chiropractic. So when you get to school, keep in mind, like my graduating class was maybe 40 people, 38 to 40 people. Okay. And it was a mixture of multiple forward and backward classes because those classes are designed to weed people out. Yeah. Right. Um, my first quarter, and for what it's worth, I had trouble with OCHEM. Organic chemistry was not my thing. And I, th- I think like an engineer, but I don't do math like an engineer. And so all of that OCHEM was rough for me. But when I got to school, I go into cell physiology, right? We were talking about the guy that went down the rabbit hole on the physiology. And I was like, why do we need to know this? We're just adjusting people. Like, we're just cracking bones. It's all we, why do we need to know this? It doesn't make any sense. Move in with a couple guys. One of the guys that was in my wedding, he's in this neuro program. And one of his best friends, we're, we've got one of those whiteboards like the size of this wall behind you, and we're just going to town on path. They're going to town on pathways. They've got an adjusting table. We're practicing adjusting. I'm just like, hey, guys, like, you know, like I'm like the kindergartner in school with these guys. They're in school for a year, year and a half, maybe almost two years. So they know some stuff. They know yeah. a hell of a lot more than I do. But when they started talking neurology and pathways and kind of the why behind it, I started asking instructors, why does this adjustment work on this patient? but it doesn't work on that patient. No, 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 just, just adjust them. They just need to be adjusted. Like, well, explain to me why it works. Couldn't get an answer. And so I kind of moved away from the why that a lot of these instructors wanted, passed the classes, learned what I could, learned everything I could, but tried to understand the why are we what can we do with these tools basically? And so I can adjust any bone, any joint in the body with the exception of like the sutures in the head. I I stay away from those. I don't, some other people do that stuff. Um, But learning the adjusting was kind of like the ticket to the game for chiropractic, but understanding what happens when you adjust someone neurologically is what changed the game for me. So the story of chiropractic, have you heard, have you been to a chiropractor before? Uh, yeah, but like not for like that. Okay. For be like, like for 
uh, like grass in or gua sha or something like so that. So more soft tissue based. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I've been like adjusted before, but it's like to me and just maybe right or wrong. If you can't find the root cause of what's going on or if the tissue around it is still tight and shit, what does the adjustment last till I get home? I mean, you think about it. Like, if, totally. if, if someone's like, hey, we're going to crack you into place, I'm like, super cool, dude. But why is it jacked in the first place? I'm always like, origin story. Like, okay, if my low back is tight, and it has been, I'm like, what is the thing that is? Like, yeah. is it the psoas? Is it the QL? Is it the adductors? Like, it, I want to know that. And then two, how do I alleviate the stuff around it so it doesn't do it again? Sure. Yeah. Sure. And like, let's say the root cause. God forbid you get a stomach bug or something, right, a few weeks ago, and stuff yeah. goes haywire. What if instead it was, God forbid, a, an argument with your wife and it's like an emotional stressor and you're like, my neck went out. Well, if I adjust you, it's not going to fix the emotional stressor, right? It's yeah. like when you address the emotional stressor, the neck might get better. Sure. Like in, in, now, now this is just my opinion. This is my experience. Like I love chiropractic because the people that don't have any shit going on, it works like a charm for them right? Kids historically respond like that because they don't have the experiences that we all have, right? They don't have this shitty soup of too much salt and just not they even... They haven't picked up enough crap along yeah. the way yet. I mean, granted, some do, Yeah. but, you know, a lot of these kids, like, hey, like I've got ear infections as a kid. Okay, well, a lot of times it's just an upper cervical, like, fixation causes a pain referral that feels like they're coming from the ear, so they tug at their ear. Oh, you, I don't know how many stories you've heard, but I took my kid to chiropractor, stopped having ear infections. I mean, ear infections are not always a cause of like an infection in the ear just because there's redness and pain and whining and crying. Like there can be the root cause can be somewhere else, right? Yeah. So, um, so going back to really kind of the, how chiropractic was developed, a couple different, you know, different people like uh, Eastern medicine has been doing this for thousands of years but it was of course the u.s developed it right and so <clears throat> long story short this guy was working with a with his janitor and his janitor's like oh, i'm i'm deaf i deaf in one ear and he's like oh, okay well let me let me do what i do my thing so he palpates his spine finds a bone quote unquote bone out of place and he basically pops his back and his hearing comes back that's crazy right yeah crazy you know i don't hear of that happening in this world anymore because the world's trying to kill us but um but think about that what nerve goes from the mid back to the ear no direct nerve so it's a central integration of bones muscles joints tissue activating that might have created this guy's change in integration from his ear so he pops his back, hearing comes back. And he goes, oh my gosh, I can cure hearing. People come from all over. I think it was like telegrams and newspaper at that point, right? People come from all over. I'm deaf too. But they've got like all these other illnesses or issues and their hearing doesn't come back. But all these other problems get better. Digestive issues, pain, balance, headaches, maybe some vision stuff, insomnia, whatever it might be at the time yeah, or the problems they had back then. And so he's like, huh? So adjusting the spine can help all these other things. Interesting. So really the first chiropractor to, 
discover or the chiropractors brothers to discover and develop chiropractic one i would say there's the philosophy is the power that made the body heals the body my question is why isn't the, why isn't it healing and what happens when people are getting adjusted and the body doesn't heal anymore so we need more tools but these guys developed it and it was essentially very very science-based um you know, they had their own, basically a hospital, so to speak. But they would they would bring people in with all sorts of issues. They would adjust them on a regular basis. They'd probably go through different, I don't know all the, I didn't read all the textbooks, right? I'm not the research guy. But um, they would do their thing and they would, they would measure it. And so there were very specific rudimentary things. And you've seen what's probably, uh, I can't remember what it's called, a Merck, Merck chart, where they've got the brain, spinal cord, and all the nerves going out to all the organs and tissues and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I'm you probably, have one around? I probably even got it. I want behind me. Well, so this is close. We're close. Yeah, so it's it's more the nervous system. Yeah. And so, like, you know, the neck's connected to the abdomen, but at the same time, there's, like, some mid-low back spine vertebrae that have nerves coming out that go to that area, so to speak, right? And so you adjust that area when you have a, a stomach problem, right? They say C2 is the headache bone. Maybe. How many people do you know that don't eat and they stress out and they get a headache? How many people do you know that work out too hard and get a headache, right? And it yeah. ha almost has nothing to do with the neck, right? You can just sit there and cycle too hard and you get a headache, right? Somebody can look at you wrong and you get a headache. Yeah. You drink too much booze and you get a headache. Like so, So on some level, they're super right, right? I think when things were super simple back when this was developed, I think that stuff worked all day long. But I think now the world is so complex because the brain, well, I'm a brain guy. So everything that occurs, I start at the brain. My philosophy at the office is brain body biochemistry. Just if it's just a simple one, two, like a hierarchy, brain first, body and biochemistry second. And that's just how I've, you know, how I came to do what I do. Yeah. And so our brain is formed by sensory stimulation. Right? We didn't come out of the womb and just strut right out, you know. Um, but the first thing we do is we start to, well, basically crap ourselves and scream and cry all day. This is like that freeze mode, right? We just, we don't have any digestive capabilities. We can't track anything. We can't chew and swallow anything. We can't communicate. And as we start to get, as gravity starts to develop us, right, that force in our inner ear, we start to develop some eye movements, and so then we can start looking and figuring out who our mom and dad are. First, we have sound, right? Because we talk, get talked to and um, vibration, stretch, right? But then you've got that vestibular system. So the vestibular system is the only constant in our neurological world, really, right? As far as stimulation, right? We're sitting in gravity right now. You lay down, you're in gravity, right? You go on a plane, you're in gravity. Never goes away. Never goes away. That and some taxes, right? Yeah. Um, and so this vestibular system, so we start like rotating side to side and we start to develop what's called a vestibular ocular reflex. So now as the brain stem develops, it starts to send stimulation to other parts of the body and the brain, right? So it's sending, uh, as we develop this vestibular reflex, which is our inner ear, right? Um, the equilibrium, so to speak, that starts sending information in all directions up to our brain, down our spinal cord to our feet. And then we start to learn how to crawl when we develop this cross crawl pattern which you've noticed if you ask somebody a little too complex of a question, they can't walk. They start walking like, uh, 
like the nutcracker, right? Yeah. And so like a puppet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like cross crawl therapies in here can be extremely beneficial if you just like the skipping stuff we were talking about earlier, that can be so beneficial for older population just because they may lose some of that brainstem function because that's where it kind of comes from, right? And so, so as it's coming up, you've got that vestibular system, you've got that cross crawl, and then we get that, that neck coming up against gravity, right, which develops our cervical curve. And then we start to like grab onto stuff and walk and move and develop that, that equilibrium while we're on our feet. And so... All of this goes back to how did this get started for me, right? Um, I mean, I could digress or talk about this all day. But as I get to school, I have those questions. I have those interactions. And I'm like, well, why doesn't it, why doesn't it work for the same adjustment work for two people? The nervous system. That's why. And so very quickly into so i told you i was the the kindergartner in these conversations with my uh, my buddies yeah. that i my roommates that i was living with well that very quickly i i progressed pretty quick in terms of school let's say i went from you know kind of like jump in to see what i could see and they're like dude and i'll never remember this my buddy chris dr dr b um dr b now um he's like dude relax the adults are talking. I was like, oh, really, motherfucker? <laughs> I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. And um, within a month or two, my buddy and I drove down, picked up some CDs. Remember those things? Those like shiny things that now scare away birds. It's my era. Yeah. yeah. And so um, so we drove down to Santa Cruz, picked up uh, like a whole year's worth or a whole program's worth of CDs for like 200 bucks, which was like a $5,000 program at the time. Yeah pick up these CDs and we, I started listening to the autonomic nervous system. So the autonomic nervous system is basically your fight or flight or your rest and digest system. And so it talks about the anatomy and I listened to that for like six months straight and it's supposed to be a weekend seminar. I, I just listened to it for six months straight. It was after that, listening to that, that I basically had no other option but to go and become a certified chiropractic neurologist and that's like the the biggest difference like between you and like for somebody who's listening who's like i don't know what the hell this dude's talking yeah. about um because like you know there's like the we well i don't know how to say it nicely it's Go like for it. it's like the like the pt mills like the physical therapy Crack mills. pop baby you see 500 people in a fucking day like right. i've had um you know who stacy barber is mm -mm. she's physio fix on instagram she's a great follow i've had her on the podcast but she used to work at one of those and then now she does her own stuff and she sees like, I don't know, seven people in a day or something. Like yeah. it's really minimal. Yeah. Before it was like 30. And I'm mm -hmm. like, dude, we've had hospital admin people on here too before talking about a normal physician has to see 2,000 people in a year. I go, dude, I have a couple hundred people here. There's thousands of people on the app. Mm -hmm. No offense, everybody. I don't know everybody on the app. It's fucking impossible. Right. It would be impossible for me to know their name, let alone know their treatment plan and like what their injuries were or what's going on because it's like you know you go into those places you see a person maybe you see the pt for two minutes and they give you to like i don't want to say an intern or somebody who doesn't give a shit but yeah. let's be real yeah. like it's not great and you there's no way you could do that with what you do it'd be correct. impossible correct the key is you got to have a good staff honestly it comes down to having a, a good understanding of how the system works and for me, I've over the years. So I, I got my I got my license Valentine's Day, two thousand thirteen. Like, how bad are you? Like, 
then to now? Like if you had it, like if you saw somebody then versus today, it doesn't take me as long. Yeah. yeah. So I was, Cause like I thought ten, I was a badass. That's what I mean, I came like out of 10 school. years of knowledge, right? Yeah. Like ten I would say, no, no, 10 years of eating shit. Like, you know, Oh, no problem. I can help you. I'm going to fix you. That's what I used to say. Yeah. Let me give it my best shot is what I say now. Yeah. And so I don't know everything. I'll be the first one to tell you. If you have like, you know, I've got a business coach and there's like running your own business. Like you have to have money coming across the table in order to keep the doors open. Allow me to, that allows me to buy the technology that helps you. Right. And it allows me to pay for my staff to start a 401k. And, and so the business side is always the tough side on the clinical side. I thought I was a badass. I was like, dude, I got this first person I saw with, um, the guy that I started with, who's actually ironically the guy that treated me for the low back pain before I went to school. I went back to work with him. Okay. Um, great guy. Awesome guy. I just saw him a couple weeks ago, actually. Um, and so I'm this neuro guy coming out of school and he, he's, he's got an adjusting clinic and he's got a nurse practitioner running some insurance and it's like not, it wasn't where I was supposed to be, but it was a great place to land to get me started on this. Track. So would you see a ton of people in a day? I probably, we probably saw, I mean, I don't know, a couple hundred in a week. And so okay. like I would spend maybe five minutes with somebody, maybe. Are you, is that like exhausting? Or no? If you're doing cracking and popping all day long, yes. And I blew out my shoulder within six months on a, pardon my French, this little Asian girl that weighed maybe 90 pounds soaking wet. Really? Because. I was going to tell you saying some dude who's like 400 pounds. No, not even. Because number one, because I can't get my arms around him. So I'm not going to get any leverage. So I'm just not going to try and have any for, form of force that I can use. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a small guy, but I'm not a big guy. And so it was this this 90 pounder that I basically had to, I was doing side posture. I had to put him into a, put her into a little ball to adjust her low back. And I'm like in here and my elbow flies out just so I could get some leverage. Yeah. And I dropped down six months trying to rehab my own shoulder. Like nothing tore, but it was like, it was just off. Right. And I think it went one because I was burning myself out two because I was burnt out from school and three, because I just wasn't, I was just probably moving too fast. Is that what most people do? Like they graduate school in that life? I'm sure that's what most like chiros do, PTs do. Most doctors, I guess, will probably work for somebody else, right? Right off the bat? Uh, I, uh, maybe 50-50. Depends on your, on your confidence level. At the time, I, all I wanted to do is fix neurology stuff. I didn't think one lick about business. Yeah. No idea. And so my plan was I had, I had everything lined up to work with a good friend of mine, a mentor. He's a friend of mine now, was a mentor at that point, um, right across the bay. And that fell through, a, I think it was a day after graduation, because he was going to open a second clinic. Long story short, the person ended up reneging on the, on the um, rent at the second office to open that up. So I had no plan B. So I came back here, went to work for uh, UFIT. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. And so I was down in Chandler. Um, start working at UFIT five thirty in the morning. Worked till I don't know eleven or twelve. Went straight up to the office here in uh, Old Town that I was telling you about. Worked till five or I think it was six at six at night. Did that six days a week for the first six months. Um, just back and forth, you know, it's like a 
35, 40 minute drive back and forth. Yeah. But did that for six months. Um, eating shit, bro. Eating shit. It's 20 bucks an hour as a, as a chiropractor working as a, at a gym. And then how long ago was this? This was 2013. And so, yeah, dude, that sucks. And then my first job as a chiropractor coming out of school, I was making $2,500 a month pre-tax. That was gross. It's not, not a lot. Not a lot. And then you've got, you've got kids coming out of school now looking at asking for 80 to a hundred. Them student loans are probably rough. They are nowadays. They are. Yeah. Um, that's a whole, that's a whole different podcast, right? Um, get a finance guy in on that with I've us, talked, right? I've talked a lot of shit about yeah. that whole process yeah. on here. So, um, gosh, where were we? Uh, were we talking about? Just from how you go from, you start out doing that, and then you're like, well, at some point, you do your own shit. Yeah. Oh, it was how, how'd you go from t- 10 years ago till now? Man. So, as the whole story was for this first patient. So, my buddy, um, just Dr. D, he goes, hey, I got this migraine patient. Go do your neuro thing on her real quick. All right, cool. So she's got a migraine. She comes in. Both the next two stories are migraines. She sits down on the table. You know, I evaluate the eyes specifically. It's one of the, it's the eyes are the window to the nervous system. Okay. And the eyes are the only sensory organ that I can literally measure the entire brain with. And so that's part of my evaluation process. So I can measure the front of the brain, back of the brain, sides of the brain, top of the brain stem, bottom of the brain stem, and the cerebellum vestibular system, all the problem areas that could be, I can evaluate just with the eyes. So in about eight minutes with my diagnostic software, I know where the vast majority of the problems are or aren't. Okay. So this lady sits down on my table. I say, follow my finger, right? Move it to the left, move it to the right. She falls over completely on her side. She was already sitting and she fell over. No shit. No shit. Didn't even get a chance to evaluate her. I was like, you need an MRI. And I ended up never seeing her again. So that's eating at me. Never getting the opportunity to help her. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, here's what you need to do. As soon as you get that MRI, come back. I think she got stuck probably. Either she got helped in the in the medical system or she got stuck in the medical, medical system. Because she never came back to see him or me. Yeah. Now, that was a learning. That was a learning um opportunity where history goes a long way right and so i didn't i didn't have any opportunity to do a history because i was seeing 20 30 other people that day and he's like hey just pop this person in between and it's like okay that's not how it's done but all right and so yeah so that's story one Um, but that you move forward to today that same patient i already know what's going on just from my intake paperwork right how bad it is stress, medications, everything, right? Pretty extensive. And I've pared it down. It used to be an 11, 12 page intake paperwork. Now it's, I've just pared it down to the essentials. Um, well, like what is a normal, if there's like a norm, if that's a thing, like a normal chiropractor place when you go in, you got to fill out a lot of shit? Not usually. It's usually just uh, CYA stuff, yeah. right? Like, hey, here's the possibilities with like surgery. You've got to fill out probably 10 pages. Um, with chiropractic, you're probably looking at one or two. Um, like malpractice is, I think mine at this point is like 2000, 2,500 bucks a year compared to a medical physician, which is probably a hundred, 50 yeah. to a hundred. Some are crazy. And so, yeah. Yeah. So like the risk associated with chiropractic is very low and very rare. 
right? Like a disc issue might already be there and somebody adjusts them when they shouldn't. Yeah. And they cause, they herniate a disc. They just honestly didn't do a good enough evaluation. And so like when you guys look at stuff, because like you talk about like some of the inner ear stuff, like we've had people who had like vertigo. Yeah. And they just go to, we got an ENT guy is pretty gangster. Yeah. Um, he like, my mom had it before she lived here. She was, used to be in Detroit. He just gets on the phone and like walks Dave through to help my mom cure vertigo yeah. just by doing some. Yeah. Probably fucking, Epley's maneuver. Yeah. yeah tip some, it that. So the very common stuff you can do over the phone, you can do over telemedicine at this point. That's, that's really simple, but that's why you do like a consult, right? I'll do like yeah. a 15 minute consult. Hey, what do you got going on? How long has it been going on? What have you tried? What, how, why hasn't it worked? Right. Why do you think it hasn't worked? And they're like, I don't know. Okay. Well, it's very easy to treat that, what you're talking about. That's just yeah. your typical benign positional vertigo where you basically tilt your head up or you lay down or roll over and you get the spins and then you go, you get out of that position and you're pretty much okay. So it's that little crystal in the ear. It'll roll yeah. around the little tube in the inside of the ear and it makes it feel like you're moving, but it's just moving fluid over some little hair cells that tell you that you're moving. Makes you feel like you're shit faced. Like just got the spins. Yeah. But like, in a specific direction. Yeah. Yeah, I've had it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I cracked it. I mean, I've had the spins before from being drunk. Yeah. That's so, not funny. So I crack open a gluten-free beer. This is a long time ago. I drink regular beer now. Yeah. Um, Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. And so I tilt my head back to take the first sip, and I start spinning. And I'm like, whoa. And I stop. I bring my head back, and it stops. Tilt my head back again. Boom. I was like, come on. So I go lay down in the bedroom, and I, I just recorded my eyes. I could tell which direction it was going just from knowing what I know. The direction of, the, of what you see is actually the opposite direction of the nystagmus. And so your eyes twitch. When your eyes twitch, they go slow phase, fast phase. So the direction of the fast phase indicates what canal it's in, basically. And so uh, like if, if your ENT found that it was on her right side, her eyes are going to drift down to the left, up to the right, and you just hold it there until it, the eyes stop twitching. And then you slowly move it through, and boom, done. Should be good within one, maybe two, maybe two, two visits or so, something like that. Yeah. Um, and so I had it, I'm treating myself, laying myself off the bed, rolling around. My girlfriend at the time's like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, bring a trash can over here. <laughs> Cause I'm like getting ready to throw up. I've got hot sweats. It was gnarly. So I got to it within about five minutes, fixed it up and slept leaning up, sitting up about a 45 degree angle that first night. As I'm getting uncomfortable, I just move the pillows around, go flat again, roll over, bang, wakes me up in the middle of the night again. It's like, come on, idiot. And so, uh, so I treated, treated again, slept on the couch, sitting up and all's been good since. No shit. Yeah. That's trippy. Yep. It's just weird how shit can just go wrong. Yeah. I've had a patient 20 years of that. She go, I go, she comes into the office for some low Dude, back Dude, how are, how are you even alive? I have no idea. They just avoid the, everything. What is the, um, oh my God, I'm going to forget the dude. It's like, what is that? When you have ringing in your ears? Tinnitus. Yeah. Or bro. tinnitus. Some dude like killed himself not that long ago. He was like that, super famous because it just got so, mm -hmm. he couldn't get rid of it. Yeah. It's very, very gnarly. It's uh, very tough to treat. Depends on the cause is treatable. Vertigo's right? way easier. Vertigo's way easier. Totally different. It's a very similar organ, but it's not the same. It's attached to the hearing apparatus. Yeah. Right, your vestibular cochlear nerve comes from the vestibular cochlear region, and then your the you've got eardrum, bones that go to the to the oval window, which activates sound, all that stuff. It can be the eardrum 
problem. It could be the bones in the ear. There's three bones in the inner ear or the between the eardrum and the nerve. And then it could be in that system. And then it could be the nerve from that system to the brainstem. Could be that brainstem. Could be in the cortex. All these different things where it could be. Jeez. So it's really hard to treat. But what I'm starting to find more and more is that it's, it's correlated with stress and anxiety. And so you treat somebody's underlying cause of stress and or anxiety, and it starts to dampen. No might shit. Not, might not go away completely. Yeah. But like most people in that position are going to be so stressed out. Well, I'm sure. They can't sleep. They can't pay attention. They don't have any friends. Everything falls apart. Like no stress there, right? Well, it's like you. Well, it would drive me nuts. Yeah, it would be. Once I found it, I'd be like, "Fuck, dude! Yeah. How do I get rid of it?" Yeah. And it'd be the only thing I'd focus on. Yeah. So I'll get it from time to time, but mine's very base, just basic activation. So if I'm not working out enough and I'm not doing multi-plane stuff, I'll start getting tinnitus a little bit more. So I I involve more inner ear, like vestibular rotations, and I don't have it. And like. And the people you see, like, where does most of, uh, it's probably too general, like, where does most, like, this, like, the neck, back pain come from? Just, like, postural shit? Posture? Stress. Yeah. At the, I mean, you, you work, you sit down, and you stress out all day. Yeah. Perfect. Good thunk, right? Yeah. How many hours a day? Probably 8 to 10. And then we don't sleep, we can't repair and recover. No, we have a chronic, we have a fundamental yeah. problem. Yeah. I mean, you see it every single day with every single client of yours. You're, you're, you're probably amazed when they don't have those problems. Well, to me, it's weird because the people we see are least choosing to be active. Yeah. And you can see, again, there's you don't have enough time in a day for all the things you would have to do if you're really going to work and make money and do all the shit. But you have to make do with what you do have, and it's... A, Poor use of time management for most people, but my point is, is the people who come here at least are moving through space. We build in the things that hopefully at least gives them, you know, the minimum effective dose they need to be functional. Right. But even that, like, that's a person who's choosing to exercise. What about the person, the average person doesn't do shit. Like they're, no offense to anybody, but the average person is overweight. The average person doesn't exercise. The average person eats like shit. They're probably chronically stressed, working a job they fucking hate, and they sleep like trash. Yeah. And then everything is just super yeah. tight and painful. Yeah. So, like, for people, when they come in to you, like, obviously you look at, like, the whole show of it, but obviously this, like, the sitting and the lack of movement. Mm -hmm. Like, is there a... Do you, do you guys talk about that? Like, hey, you guys, we're going to fix this shit, but your lifestyle sucks. Yes. Or can you not say that? Because I can say whatever the hell. Uh, yeah, I want. yeah. You're you're not bound by my board of chiropractic or medical board, so to speak. Um, and so, so with my profession, we're not allowed to use the term specialize, even if we do, right? You're like I specialize in getting people to long jump, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Right? I can't say that. Right? I work with people who long jump. I get great results with people who long jump, right? Um, the reality is I work with neurological injuries. I work with people whose lives have, are basically falling apart. Um, I pretty much meet all of my patients on the neurological side of things. Even on the pain side, usually they have really severe, moderate to severe pain from disc injuries. Okay. So disc injuries, traumatic brain injuries, whether they're mild, moderate, or severe, post-stroke, um, and then what's called dysautonomia. Okay. Dysautonomia is a really bad... Uh, regulation 
or dysregulation between the fight or flight and the rest and digest. So basically the fight or flight's on all the time and the rest and digest is shut off. So you can imagine what that might feel like. Yeah. And so these people come in to see me at their absolute worst. And I've, I've developed, I say developed, I've helped enough people to get enough of a following and referral source or referral network in the Valley. And honestly, I mean, I'm as far as, uh, I've got people sending me people from Brazil from time to time for nerve related issues. Oh, sure. Um, mm-hmm. cool little story too. Um, but I don't specialize. I help these individuals. Right. So when I first started, I basically was like, Hey, I see everything. Right. Now I can't see everything. I have to refer stuff out. I, I refer out basic chiropractic stuff. Um, my patients that have been with me for a long time that have come over to my new office. Um, no problem. Like I'm, I know they're, you know, I just hear them talk and I can remember their whole, their whole file pretty much. And so, um, chiropractic stuff, I typically send out, um, you know, guy like you, I might bring in, but, um, yeah. but the reality is I don't have enough time in the day. Like we were talking about, I have to quote unquote specialize. So I have to be specific about what I see because the more specific I get, the better my systems are going to be for that demographic. So when I see dysautonomia, when I see post-concussion, post-brain injury stuff, and when I see disc issues, my staff is highly trained to know what to do within certain parameters, but I manage everything. And so from beginning to end, they, you walk into my, well, it starts with the first phone call, right? My staff is highly trained to talk to a human being, right? And it's like, it's not an AI robot. Yeah. And, you know, you, most of these people have been through the medical world to the point where they're like, I've lost hope, you know, and it's, it just breaks my heart when I hear somebody spent a hundred thousand dollars on something like dysautonomia or a, a, something that's becoming a little more popular in a bad way is um, CRPS, chronic regional pain syndrome, where your brain basically stops recognizing what a limb is. Like you get an injury to, like you twist your ankle, just got done. Basically, I'll, I'll use the term fix, right? I just helped a lady. Cure, I cannot cure anything, just so you know. That's another word. Specializing cure, we, we don't do, right? Does anybody cure anything though? Like, is that even a thing? You know, you might not hear from them anymore if they can. You know what I'm saying? But people will say like, oh, I'm going to take this and it's a cure. I'm like, yeah, dude, your body heals itself, your bo- bro. That's the thing is, right? I'm, all I'm doing is I'm stimulating the part of the brain that is weak right now and it can't help you heal yourself. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's literally all I'm doing. I'm like this guide or like the way I describe it is I'm a personal trainer for your brain. Well, I mean, really, like, even if you do, like, if you take, like, basic mobility, right? Like, and you roll on something mm-hmm. and it's, like, so fucking tight, you're like, you can't do that. You have yeah. to actually, like, you can contract, but then relax and let your brain realize, like, okay, man, this is painful. We're safe here. We can melt into it. Because yeah. if you don't, you'll just fight it forever. Right. But so many people, and you've probably seen this, too, so many people have so much stress or anxiousness in their life that even that little knot that they're trying to roll is a is a threat to their to their life. So when they try to roll, I can't do it. I can't no, I can't, it's too painful. Like that's the world that I live in. We call it like what they tolerate. Like yeah. the shit they walk around with every day. Yeah. Whether it's physical or yeah. mental or whatever. Yeah. And we say too, like if people who eat like shit, that's most people's biggest problem yeah. that we see. But that should be 
like the most important thing you do in the day, mm-hmm. but because they have, you know, a mortgage, three cars, my kids in college, my fucking wife hates me, you know, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> her husband, you can interchange them. Yeah. I'm like, but where they eat in terms of like real food or knowing the macros or doing, you know, soft tissue work is like number 18 in their list of importance for the day. Yeah. So by the time they get through all this other shit, they can't even touch that because their bandwidth is capped yeah. out. Yep. Let me just sit on the couch and watch Netflix. Yeah. To yeah. escape or and drink yeah. booze for yeah. a couple hours. Yeah. Jesus, I mean, dude. I'll be the first one to tell you I enjoy a nice glass of whiskey after a good hard day. What's your go-to? Uh, right now, Basil Hayden. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. a Costco special. Keeps it simple. It's good flavor, really light. It's I don't like the darker stuff. It just doesn't agree with me so well. So, yeah. um, but I try to I try to limit as much as I can. Couple, maybe a couple nights a week at the most. Um, but like last night, took the staff out, had one. Good old fashioned. I got to try an old fashioned at any restaurant I go to. It's just the thing I do. What's an old fashioned restaurant now? Like thirty bucks? Uh, probably forty up here in Scottsdale. Yeah. Um, no, it's it just I don't know. It's, a little I, it's all right off now. So yeah, I uh, <laughs> well, it's crazy because like we do you ever been to the Trevors? Mm-mm. There's one up here by Whole Foods, and there's one like Scottsdale and like McDowell, like right there. Yeah. By uh, well, used to be Papago Plaza. A friend just sent a picture to a group thread. They were visiting and didn't come hang out with me, but they sent me a picture of Trevor's. They went to Trevor's. So, so. the dude who owns it, him and his wife, come here. No kidding. Yeah, and awesome. uh, it's a. Uh, I'm not a huge booze person, but we get access to like all this dope shit. Uh huh. So they have like everything. It's a, it's a cool. It's a weird. I'm not telling people to go go there and get fucked up, but um, the one up here, I know it's like the one down there is like they have a outdoor patio. There's whiskey. There's like a cigar part. There's oh, like awesome. a. I think there's a pizza place in this one up here uh-huh. too. But it's legit. So any, nice. my point is, I've gotten turned on to like all these whiskeys and with the internet, these fuck some guys just send them to me. No kidding. Yeah. So one dude, I told this already here before. Um, I post it. I'll do it like around Christmas or whatever. You know, like hey, I'm having a, you know. A Buffalo Trace or a Bl- I do a Blanton's now, which is pretty fucking sick mm-hmm. and hard to find. So I'm posting this guy's like, oh, you got to try this Weller 12-year reserve, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I go on and look, and I'm like, bro, it doesn't exist here. Uh, he's like, okay, cool. To my house, shows up this bottle, like $250 bottle of Weller's, and he sends me his homemade moonshine. Oh, boy. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know, dude. So you're trying to fucking kill me? Uh, but it, was, it had like cinnamon bark in it, too. It was yeah. like, and when you poured it, you could tell it was like fucking booze. But yeah. Um, I didn't die and I drank anyway. So I was just curious if that's your, what your go-to was, but no, but that's what most people do is that they just, they basically escape all day. Don't yeah. do anything, drink booze. And it just feeds into this chronic mm-hmm. cycle. I was going to ask this too, before I forget, um, when you talk about the disc stuff for people listening, cause I don't think people understand it. I didn't know this stuff until I started looking at it, like a herniated disc versus like a bulging disc. I think people interchange those two terms and they're not the same. No, they're not. And so, oh, let's see. Try to keep this simple. A bulge is a lot smaller, right? You're typically, historically, at least clinically, right? There's textbooks and then there's what actually happens in real life. Yeah. Right? Um, what I see in the last, I don't know, three, four years is most commonly the bulging disc, depending on the size of it, typically results in more kind of intermittent types of pain comes and goes. Sometimes it can like put you down, but it doesn't last that long, but it just kind of constantly happens. Right? So if your back quote unquote keeps going out, but it doesn't take more than a couple of days to kind of go back in, so to speak, 
um, more often than not, you're going to have something like a bulging disc or at least degenerative disc disease, right? And that can happen in your 30s, late 20s, early 30s. Just depends on how much wear and tear you've put on your body. Yeah. But th that disc is designed not so much to be a sponge like uh, vibration dampener. It's more like articulation, right? Because you've got like more of a, a nuclei in the middle of that thing. And so it's kind of more of this just articulation component. And so that stuff can shift around. And so when it starts to bulge, it starts to shift. It starts to change your motion, right? So we've got three nerves that come out of the spine or that peripheral nerve that goes out, say, to your leg. You got one that goes to the disc and then ones that goes to the muscles of the spine. So when that disc gets flared up, everything connected to that is going to fire. So you're going to get spasms like in a low back. Yeah. And you might get something down the leg. But like a lot of times you get referral into the like kind of medial, almost like the piriformis area. Yep. You get a lot of that like sharp, like it's right there. That's the spot. Just work that muscle and it hurts like hell when you work it. Might get better for a day and then it comes right back. Yeah. Most commonly that stuff is going to be a disc bulge. Herniations are typically going to make people walk funny, right? We're... You know, they come walking in here like this, like more, usually off to one side, not just straight forward, usually one side or the other. Because we've got this big ligament that goes down the middle of our vertebrae, typically you're going to get a bolt, like a herniation, out to one side. And so that's where it might go down the leg, maybe to the back of the leg, front of the leg, or even down below the knee into the foot. More times than not, that's going to be a, a pretty good herniation. It's the stuff where people are almost like bent over in half. And they can't get upright? They can't get upright. The ones that can't get upright, and it's just excruciating pain. Like, you can tell their breathing has changed. They can't live. That's more of like an extrusion where, I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. You press real hard on a burger and the meat comes flying out the side. That's like an extrusion. Yeah. Right? Herniation's about half of that. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's typically what you're going to see. And they're all fixable yes yeah yes some way shape or form yeah and it's not only and surgery is not your only option because that's what most people think like we have friends that work for striker medtronics yep. whatever yep. they sell sling discs out of the trunk of their car that's what they do though yeah right? you know you and i don't do that we don't have those tools no right we, don't, uh, we might not have that that uh, the resource of an orthopedic surgeon as our neighbor be like hey you know, just go see this guy. He'll tri he'll clip the disc off, fixed your fixed the cause of the problem. Uh, the cause of the problem might not, might be you don't actually move very well. That's what I mean. Like it seems like that would be the very very last resort of all time. Yeah. Like I would try shit for yeah. like years. Yeah, because you cannot go back and put more disc material back in there. No. Right. You cut it. You slice it. You dice it. It's gone. Sometimes that's the only option. The, the times when you should get surgery are when you can't pee or poop or you just go and you can't control it, right? That's good. It's called a cotaquina syndrome. When you start to lose muscle tone and you have full weakness and you start to develop any atrophy, that means the nerve is literally being compressed just like a, a garden hose. When there's no water coming out means there's no firing going to those muscles, so they're going to die. If it's that bad and two to three weeks of that, I will try decompression. If it doesn't get any better, you're out to surgery. I don't want to mess. I don't want to be the responsible for you losing the function of your foot. But I've got a, my buddy's dad wears an AFO. He still, uh, it basically keeps the foot at a 90 degree angle. Yeah. Um, cause he lost that nerve. He had a, a herniated disc. Boom. 
um, had surgery to clip the disc, but it was already too late. And so he lost the use of, of uh, dorsiflexion of his foot. But where's the right like foot ankle guard? He's hiking in the mountains with us when we hunt. And like he's not having a general contractor, doesn't give a shit. Like That's he just, crazy. So there's, you know, there's risks involved with these disc herniations, but a high majority of the time they're not surgical. Right? I, but, got, I got a good story for you. But, but people just default to that. Sure, because that's what we know. Like, like my dad, love him to death. He's mostly not going to do anything unless it's covered by insurance. You know, he's 77 this year, 77, 78 this year. Is he going to run out of money or something? Like, I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but like, but the, the way we're trained, right? Like yeah. our, our epigenetics, that environment that shapes us, it's just the, the habits. Like he never went to the doctor the whole time I knew him. The only time he went was when he turned 65 and went to Medicare. It's like, hey, you're like uh, almost diabetic. Your blood pressure's too high. And then he gets on, you know, gets on all the meds. And then he's like, well, I'm stressed out. I'm still working. He worked till like 71, 72, just, I mean, to support us, right? My mom and I. And, um, and that's crazy. Like, that's where I get my work ethic is just working as hard and going all the time. Cause that's what I, that's the only thing I knew. Yeah. But, um, you know, I became a chiropractor too late to help him, but, you know, diet, nutrition, mobility, I help him as much as he can. But you know how parents are. They're like, oh, I don't want to bother you at the office. And that's like the, we call it like powder butt syndrome. Yeah. They don't take advice from people's asses. They used to powder. Typically. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Kind totally. Of totally. Yeah. My mom will listen, but yeah. my dad won't. Um, but yeah, you know, the younger people get typically, the more they're going to do they're They start to understand that insurance basically covers surgery injections, medication, and PT that may or may not work. Those are pretty much your only options. Well, it's like a, it's like a maintenance, like get your blood work done, get your physicals, do the basic sure. stuff. But, and let, well, getting, when you go to somebody, if it is like a, you know, a surgeon, like cutters cut, dude, that's what they do. I'm starting to hear more and more, um, cutters say, you know what, this isn't, this isn't bad enough. Go see, PT, go see chiropractor. That's go cool. See. It, it is really cool hearing about that. Every time I hear about that, I'm like, hey, who was it? I want to meet them. Yeah. I want to be able to help people that think it's surgical, but it's not. If I can keep you from going under the knife, that is like my purpose on this earth, you know, and it's uh, working on one right now. I had three weeks. So she came in, called up. I've got surgery scheduled in three weeks. I was like, okay, here what do, you, what, what do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, look, I'm, let me see you every single day between now and that surgery date. You can, you can cancel the day of if you want, but let's just see what I can do. Two and a half weeks in, she pushes her surgery back four months. And that was in February. And she's totally normal right now. That's cool. Full range of motion. She's back to cooking, cleaning, carrying the laundry. She's planning a trip to Disneyland with her and her, her kids and uh, her husband. And she's like, there's no way in hell I'd be able to walk around all day if I, if I had that. Her parents, I think her mom had had surgery, and she's worse off after the surgery than before. See, that's and the so, worst, dude. Like, that would suck. You go through all this shit, yeah. and the recovery probably sucks. Yeah, the recovery is longer than the issue you're going to have right in some some cases are just awesome it's like boom you're done yeah. no problems right you the results from what i've read 60 percent of the time it works every time yeah right it's That's like a, a 60 foot anchorman yeah yeah. yeah 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 and so so those aren't great odds when you're talking about your spine no. you know 
Well, because it's like it's there's so much connected to it. It's Correct. The only thing, right? Basically, keeping you upright yeah. every day. Yeah. And and historically, the way the things I say is pain is the last reason to get surgery, because if you let it go long enough, your brain's going to remember the pain, so the pain won't go away. That's crazy too. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. When you see these guys, uh, like if they come in, or I guess I'll ask this, um, like people will come in and say, oh, it's like sciatica or something, or yeah. it's like my sciatic nerve. <laughs> What's the most common reason that happens? Is it sitting? Disc issue. Oh, why? Yeah. Typically a disc issue from sitting for yeah. so long. Like well, if, if you're talking, let's say, let's go through in your 20s. You probably have been active all through college, and then you just got a desk job. Six to 12 months in, you'd start getting low back pain, sciatic pain. You're sitting all the time. You're not working out like you should. Your hip flexors are getting tight. Hamstrings are getting tight. When you stand, pulls on that psoas, right, like we were talking about. Oh, bro, mine is, mine is fucking right? tight. And uh, you just want a free treatment today or something, I can tell. No, no, I'm, no I'm messing with you. I'm messing no, with you. I like went um, – I was yesterday. I go to um, – you probably met the people at Movement Restoration. <sighs> Trish and Bryn, they're great. Uh, ben. Yeah, let's uh, let's. I'd love to meet them. I need oh, yeah. I need good people to refer to. I, I, you know, just like you, you just want the best to to be associated. They're with. legit. Um, I mean, Trish will do whatever, but like I'll go to anybody who's there because they all understand yeah. enough. Um, but yeah, I was there yesterday. Just pull. I mean, you can tell because like I'm lean enough. So when I have like basically no fucking clothes on, you can see like your psoas go into. Was it like? Your VMOs on there, yeah. Sartorius, like all this shit. Yeah. She's like, oh, this is cool. I'm like, no, I guess it's cool you can see it. But I'm like, I'm fucking, this <laughs> That's hurt. nice. Fix it, right? And I can, but I can tell the difference like between the two. And like mm-hmm. I, but again, it's, if it happens to me, it has to happen to a normal person. Absolutely. Who's just sitting on their ass all day. Yeah. And so they'll get a stiffness and then eventually, does it go away or doesn't it? I mean, it just depends. I mean, if you do something constantly that creates one thing, if you don't do the opposite, it's probably not going to correct for itself, you know? Yeah. Like the body's super resilient, right? It's designed to heal. It's not designed to feel good all the time. Like we have to work to make ourselves feel good, right? Yeah. And not do certain things to make ourselves feel good, right? But we're designed to move and we're designed to be upright. Like we don't do those things anymore. And so everybody that doesn't do those are probably going to end up hurting, right? So... So when you see these guys and they come in, do you ever see guys? Okay, so they might do they come to you for basic stuff anymore? And then you see them and you're like, "Hey, man, go to this guy because I don't have time for this shit." Yep, just saw one this week. They came in. Hey, I've got this pain. I just had to start laying on the ground for it. Okay, well, how often do you have it? I don't know, like once every three months, and it lasts for like 24 hours. I'm like, dude, I got somebody out there that's like considering surgery. Like, what are you doing? Like, I like I'd love to help you. I don't have. I do have time. But my skill set is designed to keep people off the surgery table, right? And so I know these guys. I want you to go see my buddy, the chiropractor, adjust him, get, get adjusted. If you don't respond, let's do an image, an MRI, and see if there is a problem that I can really help you with. That's that conversation. And so I love adjusting. Like I love showing the bone the way home, right? Yeah. But I find that most people don't respond all like great to adjusting anymore not that my skill set's going down by any means it's just there's so much shit going on that's layered in that's layered in right like in my office if i like you know chiropractic board close your ears here but like i wish i was a psychologist 
You know, I wish I had the ability to work through these emotional traumas with people, right? Yeah. It's like as part of a neurological issue, I need I I help as much as I possibly can, but I always refer out because the vast majority of like example, autoimmune problem, chronic pain. 90% of those have childhood trauma. Like it's in the research. Yeah. And so but they see a psychologist and it doesn't help. Why not? Well, when you're in fight or flight so much, you can't repair anything. So like, and your blood flow doesn't go to all the right places that inhibit the fight or flight system. So it's just a self-perpetuation. So my job, I go in, I strengthen the brain. They go back to psychology and all of a sudden psychology starts to work because they're stronger. Isn't it like there was some stat, I I think I was reading it where the fight or flight was used to be super rare. Like in your life, like in 1850, like you'd see a fucking bear and you'd be like, okay. Yeah. But like your day-to-day life was just so more chill, so much slower, so much yeah. less stimulus, so more relaxed. And now it's basically people living it yeah. all day. Full tilt. Yeah. Yeah. That's trippy. The um, I was looking at your the stuff on your site too, the spine rest thing. Spine what? reset. Yeah. What is that? So that's the decompression program that we do. Um, we have to make sure that you fit that program or that you're a candidate. And you are a candidate if you have a bulging disc or a herniated disc that's moderate to severe. Okay, and so if so that's if someone this, who comes in who can't stand upright. If this is fuck, if this is fucking up your life, yeah, I'm your guy. If you're like, eh, it kind of hurts sometimes. Like, the reality is you're not going to want to have to pay for me to fix your problem. Like, it's not that bad. It's not bad enough yet. Yeah. You know, and so um, so what what we do is we use a decompression table. So that's kind of the cornerstone of the program. Um, the table that I use is one of the newest tables out there, and it's got the most opportunity to heal people. And so we can tilt in any direction to find the most comfortable or basically get that disc out of the way. We can rotate the table. We can laterally flex the table to each individual's exact position that they need to be in to heal or to remove the the um, the compression, basically. And so that works for herniated discs, works for bulging discs, extruded discs, and degenerative disc disease, okay? Stenosis, spinal stenosis, stuff like that. Yeah. And so that table is the foundation of the program. Within that program, approximately halfway through, usually, so let's say it's an eight-week program. Some people are 10, 12, 14 weeks, depending on how bad it is, like an extrusion, um, some people might be like 18 visits, which might be a small bulge, but it's like pissing them off. It's bad enough for them to do something about, right? So it's not going to take as much time and it'll heal it up. And so we've got this, this array of time frame that people are going to need. So they do the decompression time table every time they're in. So I start four days a week for two weeks. If it's really bad, four days a week for three weeks. And then I shift down to three days a week. Oh, so they're in it, man. They're in it. Yeah. That's the, I mean, if you saw people three, four days a week, how good a shape would they be in? If they do some of the other shit we ask, they would be all right, man. It's, right? You yeah. know, it's like we know that if you just do what we ask of you, like we're not asking, I'm not asking anybody to do anything that I wouldn't do. Right? This isn't unreasonable. It might be tough to get done, but it's going to fix your problem. Well, to me. It's going to address your problem. Excuse me. Sorry, Kyra yeah. Ward. Well, if I don't feel good, 
nothing else matters. Correct. I don't give a shit, dude, if my truck starts on fire. I'm yeah. like, if I don't feel good, like, I need to take yeah. care of this. Right. But that's me. Yeah, like, totally. Any, even the people who come here, like, even if they didn't do anything else, we asked them, and they just showed up here three four days a week, their performance is going to be better. Yeah. They are going In to every be aspect of their life, fitter, stronger, more mobile, have more self-confidence. There's a million things that yeah. come with that if you just show up, but that's a, but I guess if you really want to fix a problem, you have to commit. Yep, exactly. And so, so I just heard recently, there's a, gosh, who was it? It was on another podcast. What's the difference in being interested and committed? Being interested is like, you'll get around to it. Being committed is you do everything that you possibly can to address it. That's right. like uh, like pros and amateurs. Yeah. Like an amateur plays golf when he feels like yeah. it. Right here. <laughs> pros do it every day, no matter what. Yeah. 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 But that, I mean, if it's if that's the thing, it should be something you go to. And then you have a, a neuro one too? Yeah, neuro reset. And so neuro reset is the addressing. At this point, I see basically two types of issues, but there's an array of symptoms underneath it. Think headaches, migraines, dizziness, anxiety, depression, and call it the dysautonomia or the lightheadedness, uh, fight or flight stuff. Okay. You need to have had a head injury post concussion or dysautonomia. You don't have to be diagnosed with it. You need to have the symptoms of it, right? That, that list of things that and I do just... like kids come to you. Like kid gets, kid gets knocked out in a football game or no. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Kids can, I can, I see them usually like my equipment is this, I can put up to about a, or down to maybe like a seven, eight year old okay. in there. But at that age, you don't necessarily have to put them on the diagnostic equipment, but like a kid with uh, learning disabilities. I don't typically see learning disabilities. My buddy does. He just treats kids, um, so I refer to him. But if you can't get into him or I, you're a patient and your kid, like I'm, I, I see you for sure. And so I track the eyes. Like what do the eyes look like? Say, follow my finger, right? Their eyes are bouncing all over the place. How do you expect them to read a page, right? Um, how are you supposed to focus and attend on something if your frontal lobe is, is injured? And I find that in my diagnostics. So we go through the diagnostics and then I develop um, rehab, right? I basically use the body to heal the brain, okay? I can use nutrition, right? But in the office, what I use is light therapy or laser therapy, right? Very low powered, the safest on the market. I use that on the brain of the body. And then pulsed EMF or pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. Those two therapies create decreases in inflammation, which happens in all of these cases. They promote more blood flow to those areas, which is affected by that dysautonomia, right? That fight or flight system just pulls it, goes all to the survival areas instead of the thrive areas. Yeah. And it basically helps create a speed up in healing and tissue healing, right? From nerves to skin, to muscles, to tendons, whatever it might be. Okay. So that is my program from a neurological side. Uh, oh, sorry. I also meant to vagal nerve stimulation. Right, so the vagus nerve comes out of our brainstem, and it is the like super highway of calming information to the body. So it is the rest and digest pathway. So think uh, first person that comes to mind, uh, not your wife. Think what's first? Who's first person? Like in the world? In the world, Michael Jordan. Okay, 
He's right, you number two, right next right, to my wife. Right. So, so, by the way, I'm watching uh, The Last Dance for the second time. Great. I love just going through that, looking at mindset. It's the only thing that got me through COVID, bro. It's amazing. I would come home like I go, I have two hours of like normal shit. Yeah. And then I'd go back to being sad again. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. And so, so at his prime, okay, he you just picked the worst example, but yeah, in his performance mindset with everything going on, is he going to be more fight or flight or more rest and digest? bad example right yeah so it's a normal person yeah normal person they're going to be all fight or flight yeah like they panic i am blown away if somebody isn't stressed out coming into my office not because they're coming in but what everything in their life causing the fight or flight to basically be turned on all the time right yeah they don't sleep they can't digest they can't focus they can't attend they uh they they react to everything Right. If somebody came and knocked on this window right here, you know, they jump like they're a reptile and go scurrying away and like they start crying and just all like people come into my office like that. They're literally on the brink of like failure. And so vagal nerve stimulation is my immediate window to start activating that parasympathetic system or the rest and digest. So every patient that comes into my office gets that. Just and to, that's the that's the very leaf that I gave you. Just to get them to calm down. Just to get them to calm down, and it's constant. And when they get their own, they can do that constantly, right? My first question, it like usually first or second visit. Okay, how many triggers do you have in a day? First question, they, oh my gosh, like I don't know, like I don't know, I, I don't even know, I don't even know. Okay, give me an an approximate number. How many times are you triggered in a day? Like me? Yeah. Two, maybe. Okay. The average person coming in here, how many times do you think they're triggered in a day? Oh, dude, 20. Okay. Try like 50 to 100. That's like constant. Yeah. Right? If we're awake 18 hours a day on the on the high end, well, dude. which people who don't sleep are, and you're triggered <clears throat> once an hour, how long is that trigger going to last? Is it going to be on and off for five minutes, or are you going to like perseverate on it? Most people don't forget it, right? They just keep thinking about it. Well, we always say like that 10 minutes of shit just costs you like 10 days because people hold on to shit. Yeah, exactly. That's trippy, dude. And so, so, and I'll just give this for all, for all the listeners. I will tell you what I start to do. What I do is, is I train people to breathe in this pattern. It's a five second inhale and a 15 second exhale. It sounds hard and it is hard. Yeah. But what I, what I urge anybody that's listening to this, what I want you to do is just set a timer on your phone, just a one minute countdown. And just breathe as normal as you usually do. In and out is one breath. Just measure, count the number of breaths you have in a minute. It's probably going to be somewhere between 15 and 25. The higher on that scale, the more stressed out you are. Do you talk to them? Well, because I just watched them. I'm sure you see like Huberman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Some guy's of it, awesome. Yeah, some of it I can listen He's to. He's like a bro, but like yeah, a genius at the, the same time. The bro shit I can listen to. Yeah. Sometimes it gets real yeah. researchy, and I'm yeah. like, dude, you're losing me. But it was like a little, real quick. We've had um, some a lot of these breath people on here, too. Mm -hmm. What is that book, too? James Nestor did I, one? I haven't seen that. Breathe. That it's one. fucking great. Yeah. Um, but he's not a doctor, though. Mm. But he just did all the breath work. Anyways, I think Huberman was talking. was like, you breathe in through the nose, like super deep, mm -hmm. and then get one extra one, yep. and then exhale it out. Yep. And that's more so with the nasal breathing. Do you talk to these guys about the mouth breathing shit or no? Um, I just go in through the nose, out through the mouth. Okay. Right. So most people 
if they feel like they can't get a breath in, they start to panic anyway. The people that I'm seeing. And not, not, but not panic. Panic's a bad word. But most people are mouth breathers, sadly. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, when you look at how inflamed the system is, you're going to get stuffy nose anyway, right? And so you can't breathe through your nose, right? Oh, you could tape your mouth. That's a little extreme, right? You put some, a tape over somebody's mouth who's like in the pit of misery, they're going to freak out. I wasn't used. I do it when I sleep now. Yep. I wasn't used to it at first. But the um, right. the crazy thing is, but that you're also in pretty good shape. It's e- a lot easier to get to that place when you're already almost there. Well, yeah, and I don't yeah. have like when I say like I'm triggered by two things. I just say because maybe that. I, 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 but at most days I don't give a fuck. Yeah. But my life is fake though. Yeah. I, I work for myself and my name's <laughs> on the door. Like right, you know what I'm right. saying. Like maybe when I was younger, for sure. Like I'd have anxiety about school and all the other shit. And it would yeah. be harder, I'm sure, to focus. Yeah. And I'm not in chronic pain yeah. like these people are yeah. either so i talked to somebody the other day i'm like all right give me the first trigger that comes to your mind oh that's easy when my husband doesn't drop his stuff in the drop zone I'm like the drop zone was he a paratrooper bro um so when he walks in and he put he puts like his keys down outside of the area he's supposed to put his keys down in lights her up so like her bro. tolerance is minimal what are you guys in fucking seal training boot camp or something right, right. jesus and so and that's one of probably like a hundred a day. So let's talk about, and, and I love that. I personally love this analogy. Let's talk about a trigger as a one trigger is like negative one unit, a simple one, an intense trigger might be like negative five, negative 10 count up how many triggers you have in a day, 20. Okay. So you're negative 20 minimum. What do we have to do just to get back to even we got to breathe a lot. Yeah. Now let's say we have a bad marriage on top of these 20 triggers. Where do you think we're going to end? Negative 20 or like negative 100? Are we going to start the day negative 50? What if you work a job you hate? dude? You name it. You're there. Right? Yeah. Let's say you got a stomach flu and you never really recovered and you've got terrible digestion. So now you're like, okay, well, I can't even go out to eat with people at work. I'm going to just be in the bathroom the whole time. Like, I'm just not going to eat. Like, ah, but I get lightheaded when I don't eat and then I get headaches and... Right. So all these triggers, boom, 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 boom. Right. Breathing. I'm telling anybody who's listening, breathing, at least this way, this is the only one that I talk to my patients about and it works phenomenally. I used to do a four, four, eight breathing. I've scrapped that. I go straight to five fifteen. It is the most effective way to calm people down in my experience just with breathing. So I'll just, I'll count it out right now. Okay. If you want to do it with me, just listen to my, listen to my nose. My nose squeaks a little bit, so it's really easy to, uh, to hear it. And then we'll go out. All right. Five in. Mouth. Not easy, not hard. No. Right. If you're in a good, comfortable place, relaxed place, and your like natural breathing is anywhere between say, ten and fifteen, that's not going to be a hard stretch for you. If you're like almost hyperventilating around like twenty, yeah. twenty to twenty-five, five fifteen is going to be hard as hell. Three ten is way better than three seconds in, ten seconds out is way better than twenty-five breaths a, mi- a minute. How many breaths? Uh, twenty-five breaths a minute. What's the breakdown in terms of a cycle, right? Two seconds would be 30 breaths. Dude, it's so fast. be so fast. That's like a three or four second breath. That's like a salt bike shit. Like you're panicking. Yes, exactly. So most people are in this phase, 
right? Yes. So just by doing this, just by lengthening the breath, not even getting to the three breath a minute, which is what the 520, 515 is, yeah. that is my goal for people to get to. If you get to a two, eight, that's six breaths a minute. That's way the hell better than yeah. than not, right? But my goal is to get down to that three that three breath minute. And honestly, it doesn't even matter to me how you get there. If you do ten and ten, I don't. You just care. want an improvement. You just want to slow shit down. It's and weird. It, it works so well. Okay? It's weird because people are listening, and we've had again. I've had people that I've had a whole podcast just on breathing. Yeah, and I know people listening like, ah, this is bullshit. And I'm like, dude. It's not because if you think about like your physiology, right? Like when you argue with your wife, you don't do it laying down. You don't lay in bed and scream at each other. You have to get in your fighting stance. Mm -hmm. You're standing probably, maybe her arms are crossed or on the hips or who fucking yeah. knows what it is. But you already know what it is. And then the way you breathe and the way you talk, it changes. Right. But if you slowed your breathing down and they said lay down in bed and breathe five fifteen, you can't even be pissed. You can't talk. No. Right. So, so what it, what it does, and so many of these people are reactive. So they react to every single thing. So they want to say something and react immediately. Usually it's a fight or a flee, right? So either engage or run. It's like they're on Twitter all day. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so, so if you start breathing and, and the way that it works in the office is once you learn how to breathe, I have you do it a certain number of times a day. Let's say we have 20 triggers in a day and they're only a negative one at minimum you're going to breathe 20 times, right? I like to do 20 minutes worth. So that's really 60 breaths. But Oh, so you try to get them when they start I tripping out. I try to do out. like a, a negative unit, to, and then we have to create a positive unit just to break even. Okay. So if I teach these people, let's say they have 50 triggers and they're one point each, right? And they do 50 breaths in a day, you're going to break even. You're not going to feel any better than you did yesterday. That makes sense. So what do we have to do? We have to get above that. So I'm going to say, all right, here's what you're going to do. You first just practice this breathing. Your only job this weekend is to practice this breathing. Get as close as you can to it. I don't care how close you get as long as you just practice it. Come back the next day. Hey, I was only able to do, like, that stuff's really hard. I'm like, yeah, it is, totally. Then I'll practice it with them just like we did. Follow my nose. I'll do that as long as I need to to get them as close to 515 as I can. If it takes me a half hour visit, which is what I spend with people, yeah. at least it's on the schedule, if it takes me 30 minutes to get them to breathe, that is a successful visit. And so they do, they learn how to breathe and then they start doing that. And they're like, gosh, that, that, the breathing doesn't do anything. I'll give you a great example of a headache, migraine patient. Okay. Um, two weeks in, I just, I, I just don't think this breathing works. Like I've done it before and it's not working. Okay. Let's review how you're doing it. She wasn't doing it right. And so we went over the 515 again. And she's like, okay, now here's, then I walk through what we just walked through in terms of the intensity of the trigger, the number of triggers. She's like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm basically triggered all day. Okay, let's say a 50. She's like, yeah, okay. So that's going to be negative 50 units. How many times are you breathing like this in a day? I don't know, like 10. Okay, so you're getting up to a negative 40. At best, you're not going to feel any better. Let's start with 50. Try breathing 50 times in a day, just 50 times 20 seconds, and see how you feel. Next visit. How many did you get in? Well, I actually, I did like 60 or 70. How'd you feel? I felt better every single time. 
it actually works. Great. Now let's do 100. And if you don't feel anything at like 50 or 75 or even 100, guess what? 150. 200. You breathe as much as you have to to get some form of improvement. Once you see that, like this light bulb goes off. They're like, I have to breathe all day. I was like, yeah, because you haven't been breathing for like 10 years. So I got a lot of catch up to play. It's crazy because it's the most, you know, we, we do fitness wrong, obviously, because you can only, you know, you can sell what you can sell. Uh, I can probably sell most things at this point. You can sell breathing now. It depends. Well, I was, <laughs> I'll get to that. Like in, in a certain context, because we get people to come in here, not only do we, you have to get them excited and moving and like it and beat them up enough to where you don't destroy them. So they want to come back where it's fun and they can, there's, you know, they can feel it, but they're not getting murdered because we know they have 87 other problems. The issue is we're trying to get them to stretch their hamstrings and take their shoulders to range of motion and get their heart rate up yet. And they have to eat right and drink water and get sleep. But the most important thing they do is fucking breathe. And we don't sit here because they're not going to sit with us for 15 minutes and be like, Hey man, you guys are all breathing like shit and people are getting better, but man, it's weird because it is the most fundamental thing you do and we don't teach it or talk about it anywhere. And it's fucked because most people are breathing like shit. Let, Let me take this a step further too. When we talk about breathing, most people that are stressed out, that are anxious, that are fatigued, right? They're in that fight or flight state. Where did I say blood flow goes when you're in that fight or flight state? The survival areas, right? Yeah. Which is for the nerds out there, right? Us anatomy nerds, it's going to be basically brainstem and uh, basically the reptilian brain, right? Survive, everything's quick, reactive, and you just react to everything, right? It does not go to your cortex. It does not go to the area that makes us superhuman, okay? So when we breathe, we're automatically starting to activate that superhuman part just a little bit. And then we start getting blood flow. It's almost like roots, like a tree root growing, and it just sends blood flow to that area. And so so when we breathe, we activate the brain in that way. That's why I do it, right? Like me, I just lost focus because I'm talking too much. Like I'm like basically hyperventilating, talking too much over here, yeah. right? And so so the point of the breathing aspect, what did you, what did you just say? No, you're, we were just talking about like how people have no idea even how to breathe. Oh, oh, oh. So I'm basically getting to holding breath. Okay. So when you're in that state and your boss asks you to, Hey, did you get that TPS report done? You're like, Oh shit. Fight or flight goes up. Uh, uh, and then you freeze. Yep. You stop breathing. So people start holding their breath all day because they're constantly being triggered. And so you're further not breathing. Like you're either breathing way too fast and hyperventilating or you stop breathing and you freeze. And most people, don't, I don't even think recognize it though. 100%. All day long. So what I do in the office neurologically, still talked about that neuro reset program, right? I figure out where you are. And then I start giving you one thing to do that you can do well. Let me show you. I'll sh- figure eight. This is, this is a great exercise. I've had like four people do it the first time ever in my entire career. I was not one of them. I had to practice this. Yeah. So when I do a figure eight on the right side, I'm stimulating my right cerebellum and a certain part of my left frontal lobe. Okay. Really, the whole brain, right, activates to some degree, but that's what I'm trying to do. So if I have a left frontal problem, a left brain problem, I'll start with a figure eight on my right hand. Okay. Then I'll do a figure eight 
with my right leg or an infinity sign kind of thing, right? Yeah. Now, I'm going to have you stand up and do this with me. Get some leash here on this. Yeah, we're good. And so what we're going to do, we're going to go, you can do left if you want. Figure eight. Super simple. Yeah. Right? Do the leg, that same side. I just point the toe where I want to go, in, out, in, out. Now, do them together. Seems pretty easy, right? Yeah. Now do them in the opposite direction. No, oh, bro. Bro, I can't. My fucking brain don't do it. Do I go on that one? I don't, I don't think I can do them together because the one will go the wrong way. No, I can't. Um, now for all you listeners out yeah, there, now I got it. did you hear him hold his breath? when he started doing that. I'm trying to think, bro. Right? Well, that's the thing. As yeah. we try to think, we hold our breath. We should be able to breathe and think, right? So if, crazy. if you ask someone who's in the pit of misery to carry out a normal job, but they can't because they're in this fight or flight mode, this freeze mode, but you're like, hey, think. They hold their breath. Yeah. So you're not giving your brain oxygen, and that's all it needs. Well, it needs multiple things. Oxygen, glucose, the, activation, anti-inflammatory stuff. Yeah. And so, like, it's not rocket science, right? I mean, it kind of is, but it's not. It's like, that is the first thing. I. So anybody out there, if you had any interest in, like, coming to see me, just do this first. If Bur this doesn't work, then come see me, right? Yeah. But, like, think about it this way. Start with 50. I had, um, it was actually my, one of my assistant's moms came in headaches since like October it's like 8 out of 10 just like that pressure hey this is neurological we need to do that she's like I think I just need to get adjusted okay you're the doc and so adjust her 4 or 5 times it's like slowly getting better alright here's the deal you got one more visit left until we do this neuro stuff here's what I want you to do you're going to breathe 50 times teach her, teach her how to breathe the next day I talked to my assistant She's like, my mom's never going to tell you, but uh, she said the headache's like 50% better. No shit. Within three, four days, headache's gone. Isn't that crazy? You're just carrying that shit with you for, yeah. I won't say no reason, but yeah. there is a solution that can yeah. help. Now, is that the root cause? No. The stressor at work is the root cause. Yeah. But teaching them, this is where the psychology comes in, where I, where my psychology referrals come in, yeah. is they teach them how to manage stress, how to look at the stressor. Do we look at it and we react to everything and just drive fight or flight? Or do we take a breath and then think about it and then respond? So we take back control of our life, basically. It's, um, it's like, well, because you reference office space, because we do have yeah. one of these way up here too. But it's like when Peter gets hypnotized and just doesn't give a fuck yeah. and his life is great. I'm like, that's really the key. Yeah. I thought you were going to go with Beats and Bears, Battlestar Circle Galactica. Galactica. We could do that too. Yeah. Uh, but it's trippy though that we, I mean, even I do it. Everybody does, obviously. But yeah, it's the, what would you say you do yeah. here? Um, Maybe 10 minutes of actual work. It's, um, well, I was going to say too, obviously you, you coach these guys through this and it's a skill yeah. you have to acquire. And again, we, the world doesn't do that, which is I can go down eight rabbit holes with that. I was going to say, because obviously you talk a ton about the brain stuff, but with what people eat these days, it, depending on, you know, who you want to go to, we've had Dr. Amy Sean. I've had a million people on here about yeah. gut health stuff, yep. but 
your gut is either your first brain or your brain is your first brain or your first or second brain or however you want to look, but they communicate. Right. It's called the brain gut axis. Yeah. Brain gut, gut brain axis. Right. So what, like, do you tell them like, or talk to them? Like, do you ask people how they eat? Can you guys do that? Like what? Oh yeah. Yeah. We can give general advice, right? I can't, I can't diagnose anything per se. Um, but but, again, but ultimately it's as simple as what do you eat? Well, I don't eat. I, I don't. I can't eat in the morning. I'm nauseous. Okay, so you intermittent fast to some degree. Great. What do you have at lunch? Oh, it's usually this, that, or the other. Usually something fast, right? And it's probably there's going to be something fried in their day, right? So their omegas are going to be off. They're going to have more inflammatory fatty acids and like fairly well trained in functional medicine over here. Yeah. Um, running labs, running stool panels, looking at mold, looking at lime, looking at all that stuff. And the reality is, I'm finding that if we drive the brain and we drive gut activity or vagal nerve stimulation, that that's more than half the battle. When people are really sick, and, and I, have, I have my tools, right? Like a functional medicine practitioner has their tools. All, all their tools are nutrition, supplementation, and maybe some medications, right? They don't stimulate the brain. They don't stimulate the gut. That's what I do. Yeah. Right? I re- I stimulate the pathways to get physical activity to drive those jobs, to activate those jobs of that part of the body and the brain. And so I do that, and I say, hey, maybe we should stay away from this. Right? Keep in mind who I'm seeing. The vast majority of the people I see have pretty high anxiety. So if I say, hey, you can't eat your favorite food, boom, I just lost that patient. Right? So I show them that they can get better. I st- try my best to help them strengthen their brain. And then they can start making better decisions, right? So I don't, I don't come in, change everything at once because I don't know what worked, right? And if I'm going to quote unquote fix or like really help this person. Well, it's too much, too it's fast. It's too much, right? Yeah. Like you said, you're like, I give people four or five, six exercises. If you came in and you're like, hey, here's exactly what you need. It's like 35 things. They're like, see ya. Yeah. That's we, too much. There's no way I'm going to do that. Dude, we used to, we go shallow and deep in. I'm like, dude, if you eat fast food every day, no. seven days a week, no. can you just do it six days? Yeah. Can we start there? Yeah. And then can we figure out like maybe eat a vegetable? Yeah. Like eat some real shit? Yeah. And then go. Because otherwise it's, okay, here's what your macros are. Here's what you have to eat. It has to be all organic. They're like, what the fuck, dude? And the reality is some people need it. Some people want it. But the vast majority of people, like honestly what I say, hey, do you know what the paleo diet is? They're like, no. Okay, we'll go look it up and just start buying food that looks like that. Yeah. It's not too hard, right? The people that are like, hey, I've got this terrible GI issue. I think I've got a parasite. Okay, let's run some food. Like every food and is causing this problem. I know these exact foods cause these problems. Okay. When I hear that, I know there's an anxiety problem going on because they hyper-focus on everything. And they drive it every, they can't eat this, but if, I wonder if I got this in my food, I feel like I got it, right? It's just that hyper-awareness. And so. Oh, you can make yourself sick, dude. Just from thinking about it. 100% you can, yeah. And so, so what do you do, right? First, let's just focus on breathing, right? Let's say you think of food. All right, you eat a food and you're like, I'm just going to get sick again. All right, start your breathing. Just breathe before you go to eat and just think. The food that I'm eating is designed to nourish me. Instead of, I take a bite of this food, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a stomachache for two days. Like you already set off that tone just by thinking that way. Right? Yeah. And this is where kind of that, I say psychology, but just some basic reframing of some intention. Like guidance, like thought guidance. 
you know, um, the foods that I'm eating are designed to, to nourish me, right? Something simple like that. You know, if it's like fast food, probably not. Yeah. But once you start to kind of peel back these layers of that onion, so to speak, no pun intended, right? But as you peel back the layers of food, you gain knowledge. As you gain knowledge, you can start to make better choices. If you don't make the right choice on purpose, that's on you. That's not on me. It's a decision. It's yeah. a decision, right? But then you can go down that that functional medicine. Dr. Amy Shaw, I think you said. Yeah. And so she probably does. She might do. And, and sorry, Dr. Amy, I'm not. I'm just going by some of the people that I know that I've I've worked with in the past. You know, you come in. Okay, we're going to run comprehensive blood labs. We're going to look at inflammatory markers. Your omega check. We're going to look at uh, stool test immediately. Food sensitivity. Because real And deep. we might look at mold. Okay. Well, no, your gut's clear. Uh, but you have mold. That's the cause of your problems. If that person has anxiety, good it's luck. Through the roof Because now. you just like doubled or tripled their worry, right? I just, got, I just got some results back within the last week. Hey, let me make sure this is the right email before I send your results over. Next thing up, it's going to be, hey, actually looking pretty good. This is, you've got a little mold? Not a problem. Let's just get to work, right? This individual has some of the worst anxiety I've ever seen. And so I have to phrase it in a certain way so that it doesn't trigger them. Yeah. Right? Because I know they're not breathing because they're calling me because they need to come back in. And I'm like, dude, just do what we did before. Stick to it and you'll do fine. Yeah, I guess like how you frame it to certain people. Right? How many times have you talked to any of your customers who have gone to say an ortho or a neuro and they're like, God, that guy was a dick. Or just uh, so many docs that don't have time. They don't have time to phrase things and think about maybe the psychology of the patient, right? And so they just, they, they are, get this, this um, reputation as like having shitty bedside manner. Well, it's... And, but it's like that relation. All you have to do is build a good relationship and usually people will do what you ask. It's hard to on that side too because it's, it's a business. Yeah. Obviously like we have CFOs here at hospitals, yeah. so like... I get, you get to know too much yeah. about how it really works. Uh-huh. And it's like, these guys just got to do their shit, man. And they're yeah. busy too. It's yeah. the one thing I'll say this too, and this is not a knock on any of you guys. Um, everybody's just a real person. So like some of the best like surgeons I've met or doctors yeah. or dentists, I'm like, or lawyers. I'm like, oh yeah, you guys are all yeah. just normal people. And, and a lot of these guys are dealing with life threatening shit. Like, I don't want that. Like, give me the disc stuff and these neurological things all day where, where my joy comes from taking somebody who's in the pit of misery when we get done with you and you're not in the pit of misery and like, Oh, you have a personality again. Like, this is awesome. Like oh, yeah. you're welcome to come back anytime and get adjusted. Just try not to hit your head again. What, um, what do you, for the people who like the general people, maybe you talk to, or even these guys who they have to sit all day mm-hmm. and they're in this stress shit all day. Yeah. So I get the breathing, but like, Hey man, I work at this job cause we get people here. I can do whatever the mm-hmm. fuck. Um, like, I don't really like to sit on an airplane for yeah. six hours. I think it sucks shit. Yeah. I just fidget around. I move around as uh-huh. much as I can. But I'm like, it's tough. If I had to sit at a desk all day for eight, nine hours, yeah. I don't know. what I'd, I'd go fucking nuts. Well, both of us are like fidgeting. We're spinning. You're getting up. I'm getting up. Yeah. I'm like, now that I'm a little more comfortable on this podcast, I'll stand up. Yeah. But usually the first thing I'll do, let's say um, let's say you're just stuck at the office. I mean, home office, whatever it is. Yeah. A little more comfortable. You can get away with more stuff at the home office. First thing I'll do is I'll just throw one leg back, almost do like a lunge, but just do like a little psoas hip flexor stretch. 
Because most people honestly never put their knee behind their hip. Correct. Only when they walk, yeah. right? And so what I like to do, obviously, you know, reciprocal inhibition. And so I squeeze, squeeze my butt glute. cheek, and that stretches the muscle in the front. When you, the way a joint works and what uh, reciprocal inhibition means, if you do a bicep curl, it shortens the muscle, the bicep, and it by default has to fire a neurological signal to inhibit the opposite muscle. When you sit, you lengthen your glutes, you shorten your, your uh, hamstrings, you shorten your psoas, your abdominal muscles shut off, your spinal muscles shut off, and then you lean forward, right? Basically everything opposite of actual standing activation. Yep. So first thing you do is you just stand up. You can reach to the ceiling, do the basic stuff. But what I do, if you go feet together, point them straight ahead like you're on skis so you don't go flying apart, just do like a pelvic tilt and just squeeze your butt and bring your belly button close to your spine. So you just get general activation, right? Yeah. In a perfect world, you're going to do eight hours of this a day to oppose the eight hours you sit, right? And so the other one you can do is kick that leg back, right? And you just fire that glute, and then it stretches that leg in the front, belly button sit, uh, activate that belly button a little closer to the spine without sucking in air, right? Yeah. And you just kind of activate that transverse. You can do that both sides. You can do, um, if you really want to get crazy and you're at home, lay on the ground and do what's called a McKenzie exercise. So it's just you lay flat, come up onto your elbows, almost like you're watching TV in front of you, and just relax. And that's going to put the spine into a little extension, which is opposite of slouching. Yeah. Right? Well, because we're in so flexion all fucking day. We're in day. flexion all day long, right? Even most uh, like uh, yoga poses are flexion-based. There's some that yeah. are extension, but most of it's flexion. So... If you are sitting all day, sorry, you're yanking on this. Oh, um, if you're sitting all day, like you might want to try going and do a little McKenzie stuff right now. Well, I wasn't say like the my problem with all the uh, like the Peloton shit when people were like, oh, I'm going to work from home and do Peloton. I'm like, bro, it's flexion, the same flexion. thing, and it's even worse because when you're when you're biking, what shortens the most there? Your psoas, right? All or your, all your hip flexors, right? And so, and by the way, most people don't realize this, but your quads are also hip flexors. It's, it's crazy. It's right? one, one big connected And so, so when you, you're like, oh, I go to the gym. I do all these like leg extensions, squats even. If you do squats, finish it with that butt squeeze kind of pushing through to kind of get that reciprocal inhibition. But if you go and you do your knee extensions and you've already got like low back problems, you're probably going to make it worse. That's just my, my assumption. It might help it by changing the tone of the muscle and might actually loosen it. But most of the time, I think if you're going to shorten a muscle... You want to shorten the right ones, like glutes and quads. But when that shit gets tight, man, like it all gets, for people who are listening, like sure. it all gets tight. Like if your quads are tight, yeah. your hip flexors are probably going to get tight. Well, think of people's range of motion that just work and they don't work out. Oh. Their entire range of motion is walking and sitting. That's it. That's pretty bad. Like you're never laterally moving to the side unless you're maybe bending over to pet your dog, pick up your kid. Like those are the motions that they go through. So they're such limited motions, right? And so when I'm looking at a spine, right? Like this, the, the patient that I, that I talked to you about with surgery, right? She's doing awesome now. She had a herniated disc and then she went to PT. And the PT, she was what's called an antalgic lean. So she was kind of leaning forward and to the left. Like all the time. Like all the time. Like she'd stand up and she'd be like this. She's like, this is the most comfortable position. Probably, I don't know, 10 degrees. Jeez, bro. Yeah. She was like this until probably maybe uh, six weeks ago. And now she's 
totally standing up straight. Whoa. But she's in this position, goes to PT. PT, this particular PT. Yeah. I, didn't, I honestly don't even know who There's it was. good and bad. In every profession, right? 100%. And honestly, in the neuro world, I might be a bad one. There might be guys 20 times as good as me. I just don't know them. Yeah. Right? So goes into this PT. One of the first moves he has her do, kind of like what we're talking about, opposes that position. Watch this. Has her do this on a ball. Boom. Herniates the disc more, puts, puts the disc on the nerve, nerve pain all the way down to her foot, starts losing tingling numbness into her foot. That's been going on a year now that I saw her, up until the point I saw her. That nerve pain's gone. Her function is back. She can laterally move. She can bend and touch her toes. Well, with the exception of her hamstrings that don't work anymore, right? Or they're not lengthened anymore. Yeah. But she's now cleared to start doing core therapies, core stabilization, plank, opposite arm, opposite leg stuff, um, you know, maybe lateral planks, and but starting to stabilize the core, right? To, it, the way I think of it, the core starts from the bottom of the glutes, goes up to the bottom of your chest. Realistically, it's the whole body, right? But the actual core muscles, if you're going to train them, you want to fire the glutes, fire the abs, straighten out the hip flexors. Your right? obliques, your yeah, all the, all that stuff. the rectors. But the things that hold things isometric, to me, are what the core is. Like a crunch is not core. A crunch bends the spine. So that's not a, a, a core exercise in my mind. It's like a superficial. Yeah, so, so something that a core exercise is going to keep the spine and pelvis straight. And you just hold it under tension. Those are postural muscles. They're designed to fire all day long. They, they're dynamic and they move, but they keep things stable. And they basically are like suspension rods on a bridge, right? As cars drive on them, yeah. they're going to flex a little bit, but they don't really change size and shape. When you lose those muscles, that's when all hell breaks loose. And we don't use those muscles when we do what? Sit, Sit all day. Well, your butt, it's like your butt becomes your feet. Totally. For the most Sitting, part. I, I told, uh, I've worked with um, some financial guys, a financial office, and uh, long story short, the wife comes in and of the of the main guy, and I tell him, I'm like, look, I'm telling, telling these guys at the office, like, sitting is the new smoking, and she goes, oh, I'm going to use that, because she's like the mama, she's like the mama, yeah. mama hand at the office, and, and she goes, and she tells them, and she's like, yep, every day, three times a day. Morning break, lunch break, and afternoon break. Everybody stands, squeezes their butt, throws a foot back. We lay on the floor. We do our extensions. And I probably haven't heard from them in over, like, 18 months. Well, it's crazy to me that people don't, like, I don't know how, I guess, do you just get used to feeling so tight and shitty? What was your keyword phrase earlier? Their tolerance? Well, it's like what we call what they tolerate. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you. Well, it's normal to be in pain. But I'm like. It's common. It's not normal. Bro, it's the worst. Like, I don't get how you could just sit all day and just feel so stiff and so tight and bound up. And I, you know, when, when you get into the psychology of working with people, a lot of times you have to get down, you have to meet them where they are. I spend half my day talking to people in a, on a little stool that I'm bent over like this. Just tell me what's going on. Like, let me figure out what your cause is. How do you think I feel after sitting like this? That's why I have a decompression table in my office is because it helps me too. I know, like, how much do you sit, like, in a day? Just, to, I mean, I'm sure you get up and stand and move. You know, around. I probably sit for maybe two to three hours in a whole day. Okay. 
So it's not bad, but it's way more than what I'm used to. Like as a personal trainer, we're almost never sitting. We're working out like all day to like a little extent all day long, right? Yeah, you're walking, you're moving. Yeah, yeah. and so we're show, we're stretching, we're showing exercises. So we're like super mobile. Anytime I have an exercise to show, I try my best to always show it because it it's therapy for me. For sure. Right? I'll show when somebody's starting to progress, oh, perfect, Turkish get-ups, baby. Let me do some abs today. So I'll just do it with them. You That's know, cool. it's like... Like I'll, I, I don't ask anybody to do anything that I haven't tried and like vetted or that I know fixes me at the minimum, but you get the treatment that's going to fix you. I, I say fix, I, I'm so paranoid about the board, yeah. but you to, get the treatment that you need. It's customized to you. Yeah. My library of therapies, there might be 2000 therapies that I use a core of maybe 500 of them. And while you're in the office, you might even see somebody doing the same exercise as you, but they might have had like one of the same findings as you, right? How many people do lunges here? Pretty much every person who walks in the door. Maybe the people who can't don't, right? And so we regress it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so so everything is customized, but there's a lot of basic stuff that overlaps that can totally improve the neurological system. Right? And the and the dietary system. Is there when you because I, I see some of this stuff from time to time. Obviously, we see a ton of physicians that come in here. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it's you're talking back stuff. Like, I'll see, like, those shirts people wear. Well, like compression shirts? Yeah, no, like that pull people into alignment. Like, hey, I have shitty posture. Like, oh, you know, and I haven't s- seen those so I'll much. I'll see those, or I'll see, like, here, buy this back pad that goes on your chair. Like a lumbar support? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's better than nothing. If you If your lifestyle is you're like, I'm an IT guy, and I'm at my desk... 10 hours a day. Sure, go for it. So so on the lumbar support, what it's designed to do is put you more into that lumbar curve, right? It's supposed to have a neck lumbar curve yep. and a lumbar, uh, sorry, a neck curve and a lumbar curve. Thoracic goes the opposite way, and that should roughly match your sacrum, right? So it's just like a big four-turn S. And so when we sit, excuse me, when we sit, we typically slouch. When we slouch, if our spine is supposed to be this way, right? An S to one side, we typically either straighten it or go the opposite direction. The problem is on the back side of your spine, you have this big ligament. It's called the um, anterior longitudinal ligament. It's on the inside front part of your spinal column. When we sit and we slouch, we start to stretch that over time. That ligament is very poorly vascularized, meaning it gets really bad blood flow. And so it takes forever to heal. Things like ligaments, tissues, and discs all have really bad blood flow. That's why all of my therapies in the office are blood flow directed. Makes sense. And so when we sit and we slouch, that ligament almost acts like really thick cellophane. So if we slouch enough, we start to stretch that cellophane. And we stretch it out a little more. I mean, we're talking like micromillimeters over time. But as soon as we hit the, the point where we don't tolerate that anymore. The threshold or whatever. Yeah. We get a disc bulge and we get a disc herniation and we get an extrusion and we get chronic pain and we get surgery stuff. But that's where I come in is please come see me before you ask to get cut open. Because if we can identify the problem and I have what you, can, what you need, I can almost guarantee results. If you just do what I ask... Like, I can almost guarantee results. So, like, if you were to, like, if it's 
so you've seen people obviously probably buy them for their office chair or something, mm-hmm. like a pad, or like when they get on the airplane, mm-hmm. maybe you stick one back there. Yep. Because at least it puts them in the right posture where hopefully it's not. Yeah, so it's not so bad. Like it's not super slouchy. Yeah. Right. Um, the thing that I like to do on plane rides and right. So let's just I'll do this here. It depends. I'm a six foot guy. You're what six two. Yeah. Um, and so you could probably reach that little hook in front. Okay, I, I fly economy. All right. And so you you reach in the front and you can put your feet up against it, almost like in the car ride, like you put your feet on the on the foot dash. Yeah. Well, then you've got your seatbelt that goes across the front. What I recommend people do is you get yourself in a position, basically like almost like an extended uh, leg press, just like an upright leg press. Yeah. We're going to go elbows straight back into the chair, roll your shoulders, and try to push yourself slightly off the chair. So you get back activity instead of shoulders rolling forward. Yeah. Right? So we get activation of the posterior muscle groups upper, and then I... Kind of, I, I loosen the seatbelt a little bit and have people do like a bridge up against the resistance of the seatbelt. So they're basically doing like a squat push while firing their glutes and trying to push up against the seatbelt. And it, I don't want to say it works like a charm, but it certainly saves people the trouble of feeling awful when they get off the plane. They might just feel bad instead of awful. Yeah. Right. So it keeps those muscles firing that you're sitting there cramped up or loose the whole time. So it just, it creates muscle activation, right? And so it drives, not not only does it activate the muscle and shorten the biomechanics or try to equalize the biomechanics, but it drives your brain a little bit too. You know, it makes you think on doing things just the right way. So it activates a little more of that frontal prefrontal system and then just generally makes you feel a little bit better. Right. Yeah, because the plane's a tough one because you're kind of trapped. Yeah, you're trapped for hours. It's a death box on yeah. wings, but I dread it. I, uh, I'm, we're actually I'm at meeting with um, a few guys. I'm doing a decompression conference in Palm Springs, or kind of early summer. Can't find a flight. It's like an hour, you know, forty-five minute flight. We just drive. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm driving. It's like over. three and a half hours, uh, give or take. The way I drive, probably. Yeah, it's one road. Yeah, it's great. I just awesome. did it recently. The, the ten, right? Yeah, our good buddy just, uh, we're going back in April. He's moved there. Oh, cool. But I have a flight to Hawaii, like in May. You can't drive there. No, that's a long one. I'm yeah. like, fuck, dude. I'm stuck sitting in this box for right. six hours. So you're going to breathe, and you're going to do your seatbelt exercises. Um, I'm going to get up 10 times, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because my glutes will get tight, too. Oh, totally. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just, I'll if I board, I'll go to the very back of the plane, start chatting with the the flight crew just get on their good side right so if i need to i can get a cocktail and use them like here's one yeah um but because i made friends with them i'll just walk up and down and i'll just go hang out with them and kind of stretch back there and they're always like what are you doing like i'm just stretching like oh so they do it but they're on their feet so they need to really sit for sure and so i'm like go take my seat they've got their seats but mine's a little more comfortable than theirs yeah i wonder for you because like obviously like you what you do you're probably more mindful of it than anybody because it's what you do all day, every day. In the very beginning, I was mindful of it all day. Yeah. I like couldn't turn it off. Now I'm like, like I'm a nor- like you said, we're normal people. We just do this for a living. Yeah. Like I'm going to come to, I'm going to go to the other guy about IT stuff. Hey, right guy. Like I got a problem with my email system or my network. Can you help me? Sure guess who I adjust every time he helps me out, <laughs> you yeah. know? And it's like, you know, that, that works out. So if these guys, I'll get you out of here in a minute. If these guys, um, obviously having like pain issues, stuff's going on. The biggest thing 
slow down and breathe before anything else. Yeah. And obviously the people, whether they live in, you know, Lithuania or they live in Phoenix, you yeah. know, when, cause a lot of people feel hopeless, obviously. Yeah. And I don't think, again, I'm just, I'm generalizing. I will, for me, I will go probably too deep down the rabbit hole and investigate everything. I'm like, well, let me fix all eight problems. So this problem doesn't happen again. Then you realize you got fucking yeah. 15 things wrong, but I don't look at, oh, I need surgery for this. Like to me, right. that's always, you would have to drag me right. in there. Right. You've also got, you were, you've been trained and you've done this a long time. So you've got a lot more resources. hundred percent. Most people's resources, Google university. Right. And that's basically like having 20 different doctor consults in a five minute span. But bro, is it, have you ever, and I'll ask you this, cause you, I'm sure you've done, it. I've done it before. Have you ever Googled and it was like, it made you feel better. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I have this, you know, I have this thing on my skin. Oh, it's skin cancer. I'm be dead in a fucking week. It's yeah. never like, oh, it's just fine. Right. My brain always defaults to, I research it. Oh, your back is tight. Oh, you won't be able to walk in two days. Right. I'm like, well, fuck dude. Yeah. I'm screwed. Yeah. Just call Russ. And that, and that, that but and like that basically is almost never the case. But I think people get caught in that, well, I'm going to go on this forum or I'm going to go on Reddit or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. And now they're like, oh, now we're all fucked. Yeah. Yeah, now you got a thousand doctors telling you that actually haven't gone to medical school, right? No. So, um, what what would I do? Let's say, okay, we'll go neuro reset, spine reset. If you've hit your head and you're starting to have any performance issues, first start breathing. If that doesn't change anything, then that means your fight or flight system isn't the root cause. You've probably got some pathway damage. The damage is probably not permanent. I at least recommend starting with an evaluation. Make sure whoever looks at you evaluates your eyes and tells you basically on a scale of one to 10, 10, this is never going to work again. Or like one or two, Hey, this is great, right? No problem. In the middle is probably where most people are going to fall. The numbers eight, nine and 10 are going to be like those severe TBIs, like a lot of vets, car accidents, stuff like that. Those will, those people will be in the system until they get out to a point where someone like me can really kind of do the icing on the cake, right? That's where the medical, the insurance world, I say, really shines. Yeah. And so um, so if you've hit your head and you just don't feel right, call me, start with an evaluation. If you have any diagnosis like POTS, dysautonomia, post-concussion syndrome, anxiety, depression, vertigo, dizziness, headaches, migraines, just start with an evaluation. It's just it, every good outcome has always started with just a simple conversation. It's it's really very straightforward, right? Yeah. If you you can Google for two years straight and make that fight or flight system even worse and not breathe and show up a hot mess and pay way more money because you're way worse off, or you just call me to start. Right? Makes sense. And so, like spine stuff, same thing. Like hey stepped off a curb wrong. My back's not right. Like I did all these things. I foam rolled. Like, it's just not better. Hey, let me check it out. No ortho stuff. Let me do some adjustments. Maybe like, Hey, that's not clearing it up. All right, let's just get an MRI. I don't do x-rays anymore unless there's a fracture yeah. possibility. I just do MRIs. Hey, you've got some degenerative changes, but you got this massive herniated disc. Here are your options. Decompression. Let's do this first. Let's exhaust our options. You can try PT, but T PT doesn't address the decompression aspect. The decompression is, is probably the best treatment under the sun for a herniated or bulging disc. 
And the herniated is the one where you're just like, you're, you know. Herniated is the one where you're standing crooked. You know you're and, fucked. Yeah, you've got tingling numbness down your legs. If anybody has any loss of bowel or bladder function, go directly to the ER. It's probably going to be like an emergency surgery. And that's fine. That's fine. That's what they do. Do people really not go to the hospital with that? So happens? had a lady come in. This is probably a year and a half ago. Dude, if I couldn't control taking a shit, I'd be like, I'm fucked This up. This, is a, this was a rough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Totally, right? For, I mean, like, explosive diarrhea is one thing. Yeah. But, I mean, like, But the, when it, like, hits your pants and you're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. You go right then, right there. Yeah. Um, had a lady about a year ago. She's a cake maker. She um, was going to get a box, a little cake box, empty cake box off the top shelf. It falls. She goes to catch it. Extruded disc. How out of shape do you think that spine was, right? That's to crazy. have that happen from... Is it because is it there's no flexibility in the spine? It was... When she reacted outside of her normal plane of function, she doesn't, she's not trained to stabilize against that, right? Where you're doing lateral raises, single legs, all this stuff. She might be picking up her kids in one plane. And then okay. she moved off to the side, loaded her limb that didn't stabilize very well. And the opposite side, boom, massive herniation. I'm like, you need an MRI right now. Jesus. Like I can start some treatment to try to get you some relief, but you need an MRI right this second took like two weeks to get it. I'm like, dude, just go get it. Comes back. Okay. And I tell everybody that I start treating without an MRI, listen, if anything in this bowel or bladder stuff starts to happen, you go directly to the ER and just call me. Tell them that you probably have this. They're going to run the imaging anyway, and it might be emergency surgery. I've said that maybe three times in my life. Okay. Okay. Um, two of the times, I never adjusted them just started with one or two treatment sessions. They didn't tolerate it. I'm, I'm talking like five to 10 pounds worth of pull, which is nothing. Yeah. Right. Hey, I need to see you every day for the next three weeks, but get your MRI ASAP. They come in once a week. They skip a couple weeks. They come in again. I'm like, you're not going to, you're not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to treat you. You need to go to the ER. She's like, I just can't afford it. Totally understand. You go immediately to the hospital. I treated her for like a month. She was doing better. Stopped coming, couldn't afford it. Two months later, loses bowel and bladder, goes and has emergency surgery. And she was doing better. Just doing some decompression. That's crazy. Yeah. Not the first time, not the last time it's going to happen, but, yeah. you know, people's tolerance, right? People are in different positions, financial stuff. Like insurance typically doesn't cover what I do because it usually... It takes a while for insurance to catch up with what really works, right? It's well, usually but, five to 10 years. Or, or more, yeah. Well, there's no money. And I, I go around that rabbit hole. Yeah. But there's just no money in getting people Cure, super Cures, so to speak, right? Well, there's not money in people being super healthy. Yeah. Like, like we have insurance, obviously, but like, what do I really use it for? Right. Like if the hospital started selling vitamin D, magnesium. Omega threes well, costs like three bucks. Do we give away a year supply of vitamin D with athletic? Rates. Right, but like how? Because it costs like five bucks. How good is that though? If we, if you've got ten thousand people in a month going through a hospital, like it's not bad. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. But it's, tell you what, leave that to us. We'll we'll help people out with that. Um, where do these guys? Um, where do they find you at? Where do they stalk you? At? Great question. So I am roughly at the corner of. Thomas and 44th Street in um, the Arcadia area of Phoenix. Um, the website is www. 
www.desertbrainandspine.com. So it's spelled out all the way, desert, one S, not dessert. Um, my logo is a little cactus with a little spine in it. Um, I'm on Instagram, Desert Brain and Spine. Facebook, Desert Brain and Spine. I'm not really all that active, but I've got a girl that I send stuff to, and she posts it for me. So um, you can communicate with me there. Email docteams or hello at brain, desertbrainandspine.com. Um, and the phone number, you can set up a consultation. Just it's, talk to it's Kathy. It's dangerous here. Yeah. Phone number is 911 if it's really bad. Um, what's the number here on the door? Um, 480-674-9199. Um, that's to the office. Um, I'm, I'm happy to have a consultation with anybody. I just want to make sure that if I'm not the guy that I get you in the right direction. Yeah. Do you guys do, uh, like zoom shit? We can. I mean, that can be like the console, like it goes through my EHR, but yeah, I mean, it's a phone, a phone call is usually pretty simple. 10, 15 minutes. And I get a pretty good idea what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put, um, I'll put all the stuff in the show notes. So these guys will see it. Cool. And, uh, it'll go to our list, but, uh, did I forget anything? It's a lot of shit. No, we didn't even really cover that uh, the vagal nerve stimulator much, but um, I'll use we'll do it. Something. Yeah, I'll check put it, out. it in like um, I'll take. I'm sure they have a social media page. Too. Yeah, so they got they got local stuff here. He's he's a local guy, um, so you can I can connect you with him, and you can just have a conversation. But so he's basically, I just stick it out. Yeah, so it's gonna go right behind your jaw, yeah. like basically right behind the ear, but in front of your mastoid process. So that little valley between that bone and your jaw. Yeah, yeah, right up there, and so you're just gonna kind of lean it forward or backward while it's on so it'll be on for 15 seconds that's going to activate the vagal nerve which means we breathe out for 15 seconds when we do that by the way that breathing pairs perfectly with that thing perfect so breath in for five out for 15 you can do it two to five minutes some people do it for 10 minutes right before they go to bed helps with sleep that's like the sleep protocol but you use that any time of day to help calm you down you don't even have to breathe and it'll work it's a, a physical stimulation for the vagus nerve which helps activate the calming system so like when my cpa calls me with some bullshit. You start the day that you're supposed to have before he even calls you. Yeah. Yeah. I see the name come up and it's like, I don't get anxiety much, but every time I see mm-hmm. Chris pop up there, I'm like this motherfucker. Man. Sorry, Chris. I'll tell you what, I'll get you, I'll get Nick to get you one of those two, Chris. Yeah. You know, he's so, dude, you ever, you have an accountant, I'm sure. Like you ever call, like they have no, like, and I'll talk to him like I talk to you. He'll be like, here's what it is. I'm like, yeah. are you fucking with me right now? And I'll literally say that. And it's like silence. silence. I'm like, this is a joke, dude, but I'm also kind of serious. Like, just give in. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. he's, ben, he's Ben Affleck in The Accountant. I swear he kills oh, people. Oh, great movie. He's just like, robot. And I'm like, I appreciate you, but God, dude, I hate it. Um, this is good, man. I'll put it on. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, this is good stuff. Love it. Awesome. Thanks. Um, I'll throw it all in the show notes. Uh, I'll put it. It'll come out on our newsletter, too. So these guys will see it I'll pop out there. I'll throw all your shit up out awesome. there. Awesome. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. If you guys got an issue, um, give them a shout. It's a good resource, that Sweet. for sure. Thanks. Um, if you guys, uh, what else? I'm trying to think. What day is it? It's Friday. Yeah, Friday. Um, yeah, you guys. If you want to get the Jeremy Scott Fitness app, the link is in the show notes too. Free seven day trial for you guys. The 40 days of fitness. This is your last day to get in with us. If you guys want to check that out, and again, if you guys do want a free sample of Athletic Greens, we're happy to hook you up. Otherwise, you can get the year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Athleticgreens.com/slash/jeremyscott. Link is in the show notes. All the other podcast sponsors are in the show notes. J Lab, Kettle and Fire, Sleep Sold Separately, and all of our other friends are in there. And if you guys are on Apple Podcast, drop out a five star, leave a comment. Same thing on Spotify. Leave it a five star don't be a lazy ass we appreciate the support as always i appreciate it dude, dude. thank you so much for having me on yeah. it's a blast this is good shit dude uh let's have a picture for instagram i gotta pee my pants here and dude, uh you got two bathrooms right 
Always. Awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you guys as always. And until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.